Yeah, they're... Hey y'all, it's the 4th of July, Uh, Phil Griffin here, I am dropping another Filthy Talk because um, I'm excited about it, I just recorded it a couple nights ago with my friend Ash, Um, Ash is the lead singer of my favorite Montana band, Fools, and um, she's an amazing person. Um, uh, great guitar player, great lyricist, um, really good front woman, just fucking, yeah, can't say enough about Ash, but, um, Natani, Ash Natani, yeah, um, so we talk about, mm, sorry, trains here are kind of loud, um, we talk about Ash's kind of a lot about Ash's transition um, into well she's been transitioning to um, being a woman and um, it's been a long process I really admire the way that Ash has done that Um, there is like a softness to how um, she does it that I think is really cool Um, let's see we kind of just like got drunk later on <laughs> in the podcast. Uh, we're just bouncing all over the place. It was super fun. Last time we hung out, it was like a whole session going late into the night. And then again, we did that here. Um, so I'm really thankful um, that I got to sit down with her. And let's see. Oh, the other thing I want to mention is that Ash is an indigenous person. Um, and so as a trans indigenous, indigenous person, it seems, um, important that we lift, lift up her voice and have her heard. Like her experience is really important. I think she has a lot to say about a lot of important stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I love her. I really, she's a close friend of mine. So, um, Let's see. Yeah, I'm just going to publish this. This holiday sucks ass, so here's some um, some queer BIPOC uh, content for you. I think we need that. So thanks for listening. Check out waste-division.org if you want to check out more of our stuff. Um, we've got the quarantine days thing, which uh, it's our stream we're doing on Sundays. So that is going to be Sunday the 12th. Um, with Saisa is going to be back to share some poetry. I think my friend Guthrie Brown is going to play. Um, and oh, who's last? Anna Page is going to talk about um, the Billings Gazette um, getting what's it called? Unionized? Yeah. So that should be interesting. Check that out on the Waste Division Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube pages on Sunday, 
July 12th at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Um, or you can catch it afterward as a podcast, of course. So, um, yeah, I'm going to stop talking. Okay, thanks. Bye. Gross. That is just disgusting. We missed that joke. We're recording, though, if that's okay. Yeah. Just talking about Biden. Yes. Pretty cool. Um, I'm sitting with Ash Ashley. It's, well, Ash. Ash, Ish. yeah. Yeah. Okay. You might have to help me, but. That's okay. I mean, uh, I it makes sense that everyone would just assume Ashley. Well, I guess I just thought your last name was Ashley. That's true. I yeah. did kind of transition it. Well, okay. So there's a whole... We don't have to go through that if you don't want, but <laughs> we definitely can. Well, I'll just... For clarification. Yeah. Uh, I... So the reason why I even chose the name Ash... Yeah. Can um, I get you to kiss that a little more, too? Yeah. The reason why I chose... This is... Wow. Am I, am I going to have to keep it like this the entire time? Is that okay? This is fine. It's, a, it's just like what I found is most effective. Yes. Can I keep it like right below my lip? Mm-hmm. Like this? Yeah, that's okay. fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm laughing just because it feels really weird against like to hold it like this. Does it? A little bit. Instead of like out here. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's not a problem. Everybody it's hates it. Well, <laughs> uh, it's like a, it's a issue of like mic control, right? Yeah. Something about how... Th- these mics and this unit goes makes it so it has like a really close like proximity thing to it. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I mean, I could turn it up. We should fuck with that a little bit. Go ahead. If I can hold it like right here. Yeah. That would be perfect. Do more. Say ta- more. Ta- hi, I'm talking at conversational value. Volume. Yeah. yeah. Value. I'm, I'm talking at conversational value yeah. right now. This should be enough for you. <laughs> Why are you asking so much, Phil? <laughs> Okay, that should be fine. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> where where were we? Uh, oh, <laughs> the reason why the name Ashley. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because like it started with the the you know the name Thomas Ashley. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> My dead name being Thomas, um, and Ashley. Okay, so the reason why I chose the name Ashley. Yeah. Uh, was when I was in, it doesn't have to do with Ash Ketchum. Okay. Although my kids are thrilled about that. Yes. Um, I would be too. It, it has to do with when I was a child of 16, having watched the movie Evil Dead for the first time. Oh. And that the main protagonist, you know, Ash. Yeah. Uh, his full name is Ashley. And everyone called him Ashley and at the entire time. And for some oh. reason that like really just stuck with me. Oh. Like and it just clicked in my Yeah. In my being where I was like, I really love that name. And like had somehow like for whatever reason it just felt real to me and felt like it was a piece of me all of a sudden. Hmm. And and I loved that he was just surviving. And maybe that's oh. part of it is just because it was a survivor. Yeah. With a with a like pretty androgynous name. Yeah, right. Um that really hit me. Yeah. In my closeted years. Right. And um 
Yeah, because like even it it kept with me for so long that like I actually like on Facebook had gone under the like I well I do this weird I did this weird thing when I was in like my younger years because I was just like avoiding my own self for a long time that I would choose alternate personas on Facebook. Uh-huh. So my one persona that I went by for a long time was Ashley Chestnut. Yeah, and I oh, really yeah, but I think it was mostly just a way of like being able to ex- self-express in a something in a very like didactic culture mm. you know mm-hmm. but that yeah that was one of them mm. and then shortly after that i was uh thomas buzz walking eagle for a while and that was more of a joke but i actually was like ashley chestnut on online for like close to two years yeah and and i actually so you've really already been that. Ashley. Yes, I've definitely yeah. been that before. Hmm. And when everyone would ask me, they're just like, why are you being so weird about it? And I'm like, I just didn't have the heart to tell them that I really love that name mm. and wanted that to be my name. Yeah. Yeah. You were just like, it's some weird emo thing or something. Or? Yeah. I was just like, I don't know. It's just fine. Mm. Yeah. This is just who I am now. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it is the artist in me. <laughs> Replace my head when I'm dead with a bag of cabbage. Yeah, that whole thing. <laughs> Uh, cool. Well, I guess we started with like, I don't know, kind of a big thing. Yeah. Do you want to talk more about that or get into it later or? Well, how are you doing, Phil? Uh, yes. <laughs> That's how we do conversations. <laughs> I forgot how to do conversations. Um, I am good. Yeah. Where are we? Maybe we should start with that shit. <laughs> we are. Forget about basics like that. We are in my, in my abode. Yes, in, in in the uh, town of Missoula. Yep, in Montana. Sounds right. State within the larger. How spicy can I be here? Because <laughs> I'm like spicy. Because you know, I was gonna make a joke about being in the economic fascist state of the United States, but you don't have to make a joke if you don't want to. Yeah, I don't think. It. It, I think it was less of a joke, more <laughs> just a commentary. Yeah. <laughs> It's a weird time in Hi. America. <laughs> it always has been. Yeah, it turns. <laughs> Surprise. Hi. This didn't come from nowhere, everybody. <laughs> we have a president that is an explicit economic fascist, and then we also have a the the running mate or the or the, the opposition is is a white statue. <laughs> <It's>, yes, <laughs> there's a joke. I just told Ash about how I, I was in the bathroom and I was looking at my phone while peeing. Which is a bad habit anyway. Yeah. And then, like, it makes sense that I would be punished for that. <laughs> so I saw that one of the headlines I saw just made me mad. Just scrolling was Biden is from Newsweek. Biden says we should protect Columbus, Washington, and Jefferson statues. So apparently, there's really yeah n- n- that seems like. And and when you told me, I said that I wasn't surprised, and and that was that was the joke, as I said, Biden because, is a white statue. Yeah, of course he would want to protect those. Perfect. <clears throat> Got to protect your own. Yes, of course. <laughs> this is it's only a game of self-preservation for him. That's the only reason he's in the running is to protect himself. And Joe Bidet. Hey. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. We are here. Sorry. I'm sorry for even re- referencing him as a bidet. A bidet is a positive thing. Bidets are cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why great. I have to bring that into it. <laughs> they, they didn't deserve that. <laughs> that was a slight on Something bidets. that you shit in <laughs> is, yeah, it makes sense, actually. No, cleaning, it, at least it cleans my ass. <laughs> it does something positive. 
It actually will get down and do dirty work of yeah of important things. The bidets are the workers of. <laughs> oh God! Maybe if Biden wants to really, that's what Bernie was missing. Actually, it was like the bidet action, the yeah. bidet demographic. <laughs> Explains why he's been not present <laughs> through all of this. We we want to clean every asshole <laughs> in America. We want to get up inside those creases <laughs> that Amazon won't touch. <laughs> Something? Amazon is one ply <laughs> tissue paper. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Real communists use bidets. <laughs> I'm losing track of our logic. I, I am, I'm having a really good time with this joke. This is so dumb. <laughs> good, good. Uh, this is how we get comfortable. Yeah. This dumb, this dumb, dumb joke. Really wonderful. <laughs> Glad to hear you're doing well. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so we're in Missoula. Um, it's always funny for me to like try to do interviews because I'm not like a real journalist or anything. <laughs> so it's usually me just yeah. like going on large tangents and jokes with people and then being like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. time to ask questions. <laughs> so we're here in Missoula, Ash's house, which is beautiful. Um, sipping on some vodka and smoking cigarettes inside, which is very European. kind of fun. European. Oh, wait, I shouldn't say that. That's lame. Yeah. Well, I was just, yeah, it's cool, but maybe that's my own colonized statement. of thinking mm, that. Well, yeah. What would make you think that Europe means cool? Uh, just the indoctrination that I faced most of my life. <sighs> <Okay>. Yes. <laughs> well, let's get into that a little bit later, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We started, we're, no, we're really hobbling on this anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, Great time. Good, good stuff. So let's see. I want to focus it a little bit. We're in Missoula. I am up here hanging out for a couple weeks and I thought it'd be good to see some friends and ashes. Somebody that I've like developed a kind of a weird relationship, I think. You think I would so? Say. I mean, well, thanks for filling so, me in. Well... <laughs> I say this about people like my partners too. It's like, man, we have a weird relationship. So people I'm really close with, I'll say that too. Well, I feel intimate with you as well, Phil. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. And that's a good starting point. Yeah. So we love each other and it's nice to see each other. Mm -hmm. And I was in the area and so, and I've been meaning to do a podcast since the last time I was here. Yeah. Um, Or probably since before that too. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so it's nice to sit down with you amidst like a weird time yeah and like a lot of change we both like the last time i was in town we kind of meant to do a podcast or i meant to do one but then we just like we're talking and it didn't feel appropriate to like pull out a mic you know i feel i'm i'm happy that we didn't because yeah. i felt like that was you know and and like the thing is is that like we haven't really like we've known each other for a long time, but we've never yeah. really had a chance to sit down and talk. Right. Like we've always done the like, hey, great set. Right. You know, and, like <laughs> good and, set, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like that kind of thing. Like, and that was always great, and I was always happy to see you, but I didn't, right. we didn't really know each other. Right. And I felt like that was the first time where we actually got to sat like sit sit down, mm-hmm. and I really we we touched each other's hearts. 
you know, mm-hmm. in, in a very uh, gratuitous way. Mm. And that was really lovely. Yeah. And I, and I felt very intimate with that. And I, 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 I didn't feel like I needed any audience yeah. to be privy to that conversation. For sure. You. Yeah. And it's like weird if you're worried about like saying pri- private, more private things yeah. on a podcast. And yeah. But it's always a funny question I have is like, when do you do that? Mm. It, like, cause it depends. Like some people I'll go like in LA, I just like went to meet with people to record a podcast. So like mm. the only way that I know them is through that and in that context ah. and that's okay. Like, yeah. but you and me like had a history before and it like we're friends, you know, yes. you're not just like somebody I want to just go podcast with. Yeah. So I wanted to know more about like what you wouldn't maybe want to talk about on a podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think it worked out really good. I think, I think it was like six hours or eight hours, like we said, of yeah. conversation. So there was, there was a lot of gratuitous heart touching. Yeah. Do you think it's gratuitous? I would, I would describe it that way. Why? Because it was visceral and mm. really intimate and heavy. Mm. And we talked about a lot of things in our innermost persons. Yeah. You know, and like, I, like gratuitous I sounds has a negative connotation y- for me, you know, but the thing is, is that like, I would describe it. In, well, ev- okay. For me, like I always hear gratuitous is like, it's o- like over, oversaturated. It's too much or whatever like that. But I like using that in the way of being like, yeah, but I liked that. It's heavy, like yeah. heavy laden. Yeah. Yeah. I eat all of my fries with too much ranch. Right. That's the best part about it. Me so too. So if I'm having heart feelings, give me the gratuity. Word. <laughs> I love that. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, What do we want to talk about? You know, I thought you had questions. I don't have questions. I don't come to these things prepared. Yeah. I mean... I know you and I think about you. What's your thoughts on preparation, Phil? Here's a question. Preparation? <laughs> yeah. Anal preparation? Well, t- <laughs> no, I wasn't going what there. What are you talking about? <laughs> Just preparation in general. I'm Which bad at it. Which is interesting to say because like, I mean, in, in, okay. I'm just going to take us on tangents here. Please. I think the whole thought of preparation in this day and age is a very politicized notion. Mm. So for anyone to ask anything about like, what's your thoughts on preparation? Mm. That's going to open up a whole slew of political connotations because everyone's wondering where is, where is everything going with COVID mm-hmm. with, uh, with the political spectrum, with mm-hmm. the protests, with everything. What, how do we prepare? Mm. How have we not been prepared? We've seen lack of preparation on the national scale, on the local mm-hmm. level, uh, on a personal scale mm. um, and what that looks like. So what are our thoughts on preparation? What do we prepare for and how do we keep ourselves in the know as far as maintaining our value and our, mm. um, and our, and our way of life? Yeah. Because it's changing. It's right. going to change. So how do we prepare for that? Like this, this may be one of the last times that I have people in my home actively right. for, the That's foreseeable a great point. future. Yeah. You know? Right. <clears throat> so how do we prepare? Well, I'm asking your thoughts on it. <laughs> uh, my first thought is that Shakespeare, one of the lines in Hamlet that was cool is that readiness is all. Yeah. Is one of them where it's like all that matters is readiness and being prepared. Yeah. Um, hmm. There's something to that. It's hard to know like what to prepare for sometimes yeah. or like I guess part of the whole nature of what's going on now is it seems so chaotic that like part of the trouble is that 
you don't really know what to prepare for, right? Like, I guess in what you're talking about is more concrete stuff. Like, how do you prepare to potentially be like locked down again, or something, or uh, maybe not like locked down by the government or by personal choice? Like, I don't know. How do you do that? Well, you know, in my perspective, like just even on a very light level, I think that preparation can't be had without a knowledge of what happened before. Mm. And I think that that's so much of what we're lacking in the U S is mm-hmm. an understanding of our history, mm. um, an understanding of history in general and a lack of facts. Yeah. Um, facts go to prove a lot of things that have been confirmed that have happened. And if we don't have that, then there's no way to prepare. Mm. Um, you know, we this is not the first time that the world has seen pandemics or mass <laughs> illness or anything like that, but somehow we have, especially in the United States, been so, have had our leaders specifically be so particularly um, anti-history, anti-facts, uh-huh. anti-understanding, right, right. anti-education. And it's shown in our policies, it's shown in everything before that. So, I mean, like, it doesn't surprise me that there is no preparation. Because um, there's n- no previous knowledge. Or education. Yeah. Or, or I would even say not even necessarily that there's no previous knowledge. There's a, there's a resistance mm. to knowledge. Mm. There's a resistance to, 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 to education in mm-hmm. general. Or reality even. You could <laughs> yeah. Say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For yeah. sure. <clears throat> Instead, we want to um, hold on to our white statues. Mm. So it seems. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, apparently. What the fuck is... I see Julius out here. Oh, that's them. Hey, fuck off! They're defacing my fucking stickers. You were just vandalized. It's because I'm advertising for a different tattoo shop. Uh, Fucking tattoo artists are scummy, dude. (laughs) That's my sticker. I liked that sticker. I like... I like that this is I've been on I've been on a couple of interviews before this and I yeah. love that your decorum isn't <laughs> is not to have any. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely the style. Yeah. <laughs> God, these guys are scum. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so talking of preparation um like maybe you should have been more prepared for that. <laughs> I should have. I need like if a you RoboCop around my car that or something. Tattoo artists are scummy then I would have known not to put anything having to do with tattoo <laughs> shops on my car. Perhaps. Yeah. So, okay. So the style here is scummy. Yeah. But sure. what's funny about preparation is like, I've had people like, I've talked with people about this. Like my friend Cooper, where I'm staying at his house, um, we were talking cause we have him and I have vastly different styles in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like he's very much like kind of anal retentive about how he does things. Like yeah. got to have this in line to do this and this and this, um, like a planner. And yeah. I am n- not a planner in the same way, mm-hmm. but something that he pointed out is like, he could tell that like, I'm not totally an unplanner. Like yeah. when he listens to like a ta- an interview I have with somebody, like he could tell that I've thought about it, <clears throat> but my way of preparing is like different mm-hmm. than other people or like how we're taught in school. For yeah. example, like if I care about something, you know, like talking with you, yeah. like I'll just think about it enough 
that I'm prepared. Yeah. And like there are landmark marks I know yeah. that I want to get to with you and talk about. Yes. But otherwise, like I don't need an outline written down to know that. Yeah. And I, I love think that. that's kind of roll with the punches. Yeah. And as long as you know what you're doing enough, mm-hmm. then you can do that. Yes. But I don't know. That's the you, one you, thought you I had about that. You have the mode of authenticity in your, in your, in that DNA. would be the hope. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thanks. So I don't know. You asked about preparation. I feel like I don't, I'm not very well prepared to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I I only think about it just because I've been thinking a lot about um just I'm trying to trying to understand just how bad things might be able to get here. Mm-hmm. Um one I on the worst of days, I I do have some suspicion that things will become inherently violent. Mm-hmm. Um I certainly hope not, but and and I hope not because specifically I have children and I worry for all the children across the U S mm-hmm. um, who, I mean, that's a whole can of worms to even really get mm-hmm. into any of these things. But like I, because I mean the, the capitalist system that we have right now is inherent violence to all of us. So, I mean, children especially are at the reaping end of all of that mm-hmm. and we all have been to some degree or other. Right. We can't escape it. And it's going to get worse, presumably. So yes, yeah, so, it's going to get worse for them. So if things really do reach a degree of, of violence in that way, I'd think that it would only be a rebuttal to what we've had to live through mm. consistently day mm-hmm. to day. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't stop it from being something that is very anxiety inducing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I wonder, you know, cause I don't want to take the same mode of thinking that like, like doomers or, you know, uh, you know, the generations above us where they're like, well, I need to stock up and steal everything from the store mm-hmm. and like, and buy loads of ammo and everything else and get like real aggro. It's like that. I'm not trying to be on that level at all. Mm. Um, and I hesitate to lean into that metal like method of thinking because I feel like that's so, pro- so provoked and, and, and looking to provoke. Mm. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a violent way of thought in and of itself. Right. And I don't look for violence. I look to preserve my way of life. Mm. I look to preserve my community. I like to preserve the people and their safety. Right. Um, so if there's any other method, I would love to know that. Mm. However, like I, you know, I don't see it currently in our political climate. To accommodate for like nonviolent measures or something. Yeah. I mean, when, when we see the results that we're getting from the riots, right. Cause mm-hmm. nothing was happening before mm-hmm. that. Like you hear every centrist, like, I mean, like it was Martin Luther King himself who said that the, you know, like the, the biggest, largest threat to, to the civil rights movement was the white moderate, mm. you know, and I, and being a person of color, mm-hmm. I've noticed that mm. I've lived with that. I've seen that happen so many yeah. different times in my life where I've had people who are so-called like, you know, allies. Yeah. Um, want to address your issues. But then when you begin to speak up about them yourselves and you're a little too angry, they tell you, like, well, yeah. you know, like maybe we should just like, back off again. just tone it down a bit. Yeah. And they yeah. turn into mayonnaise. Right. And it's like, well, <laughs> I'm so sorry to ruin your sandwich. Right. <laughs> um, but lovely Midwestern <laughs> flavors, but I'm going to add a little bit of spice in here because I'm real pissy <laughs> right. and, um, and you should be able to handle that. Yeah. Instead of always just, you know, craving, a very banal way of life mm. that works for you and you alone. Mm. <clears throat> but I don't know. 
I went off on a tangent. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, getting at like uh, this thing. It's, it seems like it's becoming more and more like binary this way. And that's something I don't like saying because I don't really like binary modes of thought or yeah. anything. Like, But it is kind of getting to a point where it's like one way or another. Like, some people talk about um, compromise in this country a lot and like how this country was built on compromise. We had like... Oh, I was talking with Cooper the other day. Like the Missouri Compromise. What the fuck was that about? Anyway, like something in democracy that we value is like the ability to compromise. But some stuff, like I was environmentally interested for a long time. Uh And so like as a kind of environmentalist, I noticed that like environmentalists, whenever they entered like a battle with the government or with like a development company or something. Yeah. Like they were already in a position that they had to compromise away like the very thing they were trying to protect. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like stuff in this country has gone so far to the, to the right generally Mm -hmm. like becoming a neoliberal state. Yeah. Like only concerned with economics. Yeah. That like to speak outside of that realm makes you sound like kind of crazy if you'll forgive the term, like, I don't know, maybe you're not getting at that, but no, uh, with the, like, explain a little bit more. I think I, I know, know what you're on to, but like you were talking about how it's, it's like violence is not something that you are really into, but also like given what's happened and say. given the options, like, <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean it, like, it's hard to see it going a different I way. I think it just, you know, it sucks because, like, okay, there's a whole system in play that's been before us and it's been solidified over and over and over again. What we are dealing with, like, on a, what I view as, like, what we're dealing with on a, on a, on a, on a mental conscious level of, of society is that, like, we are dealing with a virus that's been so solidified mm. to be contagious. Mm. And, you know, otherwise people wouldn't be arguing to go back to work. They wouldn't be fighting to, to say like, it's my right to die mm-hmm. for the economy. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> why would they ever argue that? Why would they, why would they so take up that work has to be their whole way of life? Mm-hmm. Like what, what is, what is it about our culture that has become so toxic and so repugnant to convince people that their, that their, their whole entire purpose. value and yeah. purpose is based on adding to this economy. Right. And what does the economy do to serve them? Because they don't have any answer for that. It's only about like this this weird blend of all these different, you know, systematic ways of thinking that have so specifically gaslit our people mm-hmm. and gaslit the nation into thinking that the only way that they can be of service is to be a cog in the wheel. Mm. Like that's that's disgusting to me. Yeah. And I and I don't view everyone as my enemy. Um, I view that, that ideology as, as my, as my enemy. Mm. Um, and I, and you know, like, and I, and I, it's so complicated because I, like some people will never change from that. Mm-hmm. Some people are so threatened by change and so scared of it in the way that they're scared of death mm. because changes changes inherently reminder of that mm-hmm. that things things will ultimately come to a place where they can't change it the biggest change yeah yeah and and i think that there's just there's a subconscious 
click in there to, to provoke them to being so scared of what could be, what could be better or what could fail mm. that it's better just to preserve it the way it is right now because it's, it's fine. Mm. And, and all like warts and all that somehow this is just better. It's mm. better just to nurse your wound and just to live this life because that makes it, makes you somehow powerful. You know, <clears throat> I think of, uh, like abusive relationships mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, like, definitely. Uh, if all you ever know is violence, then it's threatening to bring up an alternative because yes. that alternative is unknown and it's like a big black box that you don't know what's inside. You know, it's like if somebody's thinking about running away from an abusive partner, they like, they are at least comfortable. It's like the, the known known or whatever the fuck that is. Like you're comfortable with what you know. And outside of that, you don't know how much worse it could be. So like yeah. stay where you are. Well, and I know that like, you know, like having grown up in, in evangelical Christianity and having mm-hmm. grown up with less than, um, less than desirable, uh, situations with, with my parents and everything else. Like, I, I mean, like I understand abuse to some degree and, uh, manipulation mm-hmm. and, and pain. And I would say that, yeah, like, I think that just on a basic level, there's so many of us who would, who feel powerless in every situation already. Mm. And that for there to be someone to offer something, if you have been disappointed at all in your life, the fear of something not working out and you ending up more powerless or somehow acquiring retribution for having stood up for yourself Mm. is more threatening than just keeping it the way it is. Because you're already in a tight spot. Yeah. yeah. Why would you want to rock the boat to make it worse for yourself? Right. And that's like the feeling is like, it's like this scary thing. And then there are also those who just, they see it works because like, you know, they get the, they're like the bad sibling where they look at their brother being abused or something. And they're like, well, at least it's not me. Mm. You know, it's fine. Right. He's the whipping boy. Right. You know, there's a whipping person and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still making it out. Yeah. That's sociopathic though. But we do have a lot of that in our Yeah. Country. I think it's like built in. Otherwise we wouldn't have racism and everything else. Yeah. Right. So normally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested in this idea. Like you hear it talked about in hip hop, like uh, crabs in a bucket. You know that? I have phrase? actually not heard that. Uh, so I forget who said that. Um, Anyway, it's like describes a dynamic where if you put crabs in a bucket, like they will climb on top of each other and form like a little mountain to get out. But then as soon as they get close to the top, they'll all tear the one that's closest to getting out. Wow. Down. Is that true? That's a, I think it's a real phenomenon. Yeah. That so. That's that what I is song about. so real. Yeah. If that's true. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've seen, I've even noticed that just from like being on the, you know, on the reservation. Sure. You know, with my own people. Right. And I don't think it's exclusive to indigenous people or like being on the reservation. I think right. it's just that there's like, there is this push for us to get there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's this push for empowerment, but if we're not the ones being empowered, then why would we ever let anyone go on? Mm. Like we get there together. You don't get there. Mm. And there's this feeling of that where mm. I, I just don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, like we should be pushing each other. 
yeah, we should be pushing to see who can get there. Like, yeah. and I, like, I don't know. That's, that's my perspective. Like, and I, and I think I understand that from the, from the perspective of a parent mm. that like, I don't think that most of this stuff is going to change in my lifetime. I don't think that this stuff is really going to get a whole hell of a lot better for me, but I'm not really that interested in it being better for me. Mm. I, I'm interested in what it's going to be better for the tomorrows of our kids. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in it being better for, for what's going to come afterwards. Because like, if, if that, if that's my mode of thinking, then why in the hell does that somehow make me any better than, than boomers Mm. or anyone else that's been before me? Right. So that's so self-serving. Right. And you know, and I'm not trying to like specifically downplay anyone that has that, that feeling of wanting their life to be better. That's not it at all. But if I can't understand that it's not all about me, and that I, if, if, if progress has to be so specific to involving me in the equation in, as the recipient of that progress, then I'm not wholly devoted to progress for everyone. I'm devoted to progress for me. Yeah. And it's an individual <clears throat> Yes. And, and, and I'm not. Right. I, like, I would love it. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I would, I want everything to be better for me. Yeah. Please. Me, Why me, wouldn't me. You? Yeah. But like, <laughs> but that's not my end goal. And I'm not concerned so much with me because I can make things better for myself in my day to day. I know how to do that. But on a societal level and everything else that, and like in that entails, it needs to be better for others, mm. not just me. Mm-hmm. And I have to have, like, I I just can't go to bed at night thinking that like, that would be the only concern that I would have in my, in my quest for progress. Like that would be, that would be fucked up. Right. That's not really how we're taught to think in this country though. Like, I mean, even our leftist politics reek of individualism on a certain level. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, for sure. Like we're not really taught about that. I mean, the main thing is to figure out how to make you think that you're special enough that you should buy something special enough that like some asshole made and mass produced. I like I'm interested in this concept just because it seems like individualism is really handy for capitalism, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you Mm -hmm. think you're really special, then like you're going to think that that backpack with like a pattern on it is like was made for you and that Mm -hmm. you should buy it and that you need it. Um, and it's sad to me that like, as creatures, we seem to be, I think, like, historically, or maybe prehistorically, especially, like, we were cooperative. Like, we had to work together because shit was really hard. Yeah. But now we're in it for ourselves. And, like, that gets reflected. Yeah. Everywhere. Well, I just, like, I think, you know, like, it, like this is, part of my perspective is the end result of a lot of, like, my spiritual upbringing. And not just only in Christianity, but it's like also due to like my, my, the inheritance of, of my culture Mm. that I have received from being an indigenous person, um, is that I, I just have this feeling, you know, that like there, it's the same thing that I've seen in Christianity is that Christians are so self-concerned, like to, to think that the idea that like, you know, Christ or God or whatever is so concerned with you that you can pray for a Bugatti or a Maserati or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, God's going to answer you. Like, 
shut up. Like, no, right. that's what, what? Yeah. yeah. Come on. <laughs> what? No. And like, and, and to think that like, you know, that it comes down to this idea that there is some, like so much involvement in that way. No, like I don't, I don't agree with that. Like we, on a, on a realistic level, if your spirituality is worth its salt, it's going to empower you to be able to survive. Mm. Not only to just survive, but eventually to be able to thrive. But that depends only on what you're looking after and what you're looking to get mm. and what it means. If there's meaning and purpose in what the life that you're acquiring. And when I look at that, I look at, you know, the, the universe being life itself. And that if I really do have a universal mindset I know that even if humanity were to all die out, that life is still going to continue. Mm -hmm. I don't have this sense of ego about who I am or what everything is or whatever. It doesn't mean that we're not important, mm. and but it doesn't mean we're special. Right. You know, and, and that's the thing is that like knowing your importance and your value, but having that in the concept of, what everything is a larger context. Yeah, yeah. And that you are equally important and unimportant at the same time. Mm. And that you, the, that everything will move on without you, but that there will never be another you. Right. And there's a, there's, there's, there's a hope in there, but for those that are that self-concerned, it's a threat. Right. And, and when it comes to my idea of change, um, that's what I'm hoping for all the time is that I, that I'm not concerned with myself to, to be on that level that like, you know, it has to, has to be this way of where like the universe somehow answers to me or that mm -hmm. my surroundings somehow answer to me all the time. Mm -hmm. But I do have an answer for my surroundings. Right. You know, and right. um, that's my problem with Christianity in it's nutshell is that it thinks that somehow God thinks that we're all inherently special in mm -hmm. our own little way which you know whatever but like that that breeds this kind of egotism mm -hmm. that a lot of folks really do have a hard time getting out of right totally that gets at kind of the binary thing i was talking about earlier like mm -hmm. because i think it's possible for us to hold in our minds the idea that we are at once special in the sense that like nobody will exist like us again mm -hmm but also that like we exist within a larger context, like part of the game, I think that is misconstrued to us is that like we have to choose between one or the other, right? Like, yeah, which is bullshit to me. Like no, they both involve each other. Like in order to have a healthy larger system, you have to have like healthy components. You have to have healthy individuals within that system and it all plays together. But this yeah. this game that we're like faking, we're told is fake, which is that like you either take care of yourself or like you don't and like you take care of others and you suffer. Yeah. Which is like doesn't work for me. Or maybe that sometimes the suffering and taking care of someone that you love is the reward for you and that's what's going to bring the reward to your life like, how crazy is and, that and that's yeah. the thing is that like not everything needs to be seen in this black and white dualistic way right because most of life isn't like that mm -hmm. like and that's you know i i feel like everyone would do would would benefit healthily from from realizing that 
there are contradictions in our in our, in our existence all the time that are healthy mm-hmm. and that don't need a specific yes or no answer, but just are the answer in and of themselves. Mm. That something can be both this and this, and that is good. Right. You know, but I don't know. Do you want to do some ground groundwork at all? Like what? Talk about like what you've been going through at all? Oh boy! I could do talk about me too, if you want to. Why don't I, we I'll s- show you mine if if you show me yours, kind of thing. <laughs> 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 well, okay. Uh, ask me a specific question about it, and then it'll probably get me talking. Okay. I, I'm uh, do you care if I refer to stuff we were talking about before at all? Yeah, do it. Um. Well, I mean, I'll just say this, like living in Billings, like I don't have a full picture of like kind of what you've been going through with like your transition. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if you want to dive right into that or if that's too broad a question. But like, for example, yeah. I didn't know that you had like gone with the name Ash, like change your name to Ash mm-hmm. um, until Shannon told me. I don't know if I just like yeah. missed it on the socials or something, but like. Um, you know, so I, I've just like seen different sort of stages of it and yeah. haven't seen like the con- continuity or really even talked to you that much until fucking last time mm-hmm. about it. So, um, it's been, so I have this lyric in, in a, in a, a, a line in a song that I wrote a long time ago in my personal, um, music that I write. And mm-hmm. I have this thing where I say, what's so holy about our heartache? And that's exactly what it is, is that this has been a massive state of upheaval for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't speak for all trans people of course, at all, or even anyone else, just myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a whole process of grief, celebration, and self-actualization mm-hmm. within the greater context of what's going on right now. And it's, yeah, it's been, it's been really difficult. And, and, you know, like I don't, I don't feel the need to, to do things in the way that other people do them. Like, I mean, right. like I didn't want to really make a big statement on Facebook or on Instagram. I don't even have Facebook anymore, but like, right. I, like I just like, I didn't really want to, like I, I, I've spent most of my life being concerned with what everyone else thinks. Right. I don't really care anymore. Mm. And my process of transition has been one that has been so deeply holy and personal to me Mm. um, where I've needed to figure out who I am and where I feel and, you know, what is important to me and what's going to be helpful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, One of those things being that, like, I haven't immediately jumped on hormones, Mm -hmm. You know, and, and with the realization of everything, I didn't, I, I don't feel the need to just rush into it mm. um, because, you know, I'm still learning to love the body that I have mm. still, you know, and I feel like just rushing into things like that is going to really cause me just even more confusion than I already have. And sure. so there's things where I've been taking it step by step to make sure that I'm um, making compassionate room for myself Mm. um and and taking it in this with with all the degree and decorum of 
of a church service about the holiness of my body and, and my, my, uh, psyche, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, but it's difficult. It's sad, you know, like, uh, my life has ended Mm. and has begun again and Mm -hmm. has been for a long time. It feels like it's been watching slow death and, Mm. and slow birth at once you know, and the median growing in between of consciousness. And so it's just, it's a whole, it's a whole feeling and a whole, um, as an observer of my own life, you know, it's, it's, it's been a lot to really process and Mm -hmm. to, to grapple with. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. I'm interested like in your process, partly because of how you're, you seem to be doing it differently. Like, less performative and I, it sucks cause I don't want to start talking mm-hmm. about like how yeah, people, yeah. especially not being like a trans person or like, I feel like I don't really have the position to talk about how people do it, but also yeah. it's something I wonder about, like, especially, well, go ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean like I wouldn't, I, I would hesitate to say like performative in the sense of like, you know, any trans issue per, per se, but like I would say more so that I, I, mm. I don't hold any, of the same, um, methods in, 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 as far as revealing myself, I use perform real loosely too. Yeah. 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 So. yeah no, mm. I know. I just, it's the political part of me. You know what I mean? Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. 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 But like, cause I mean, like I, I celebrate everyone that's like coming out and in, in, right. in the ways in which they choose to, like some people, you know, they have this the the performative aspect for me always comes in when there's pressure to perf- to do it a certain way mm. and and that's kind of th- what I am trying to talk about yeah. yeah and I do think that there is a lot of pressure even in the trans community to to be performative right. to have to do sing- things a certain way mm-hmm. to have to be like self-affirming in whatever way that someone else feels that you're being self-affirming. Like that's a really weird thing. It's a backwards thing. But it does happen. Right. And it's, and it's problematic. Right. For sure. But you know, if I, I I just kind of stay away from it Mm. in the sense that I try to keep it off of my social media. That's mostly what I'm referring to in terms of like performing, like, yeah, is that whole mess is like social media stuff and how we all perform on there. Yes. And that's, what's weird is like to, to be like, Oh, like you have to come out on there in order to like do it properly is like, why, where does that become an important thing? It's absolutely not true. I mean, there is that pressure though. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's real and like everyone can see it. Like it's, it's there. There is, there's, you know, it's like not Facebook official or something in my, you know, my only thing with that is that like some people need that. Sure. People do like, even though it might not be the right way for them, I understand that some people are doing it because it's the only method of, of comfort and like affirmation that they get in life. Right. You know, and that they're not really allowed to have the time one way or the other because they just, otherwise they won't. Right. And so if they, if they're, being goaded into being performatively like, you know, masculine, feminine in between, whatever Mm -hmm. that like, you know, part of that might still be a positive for them Mm. because they won't get it anywhere else. No doubt. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about talking about like right or wrong ways of doing things. It's like, 
depends on where the fuck you are at. Yeah. Like one thing might be quote right for one position and one might be for another. Yeah. And it, it doesn't get rid of the fact that like a lot of it is still very toxic. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like there are, there are definitely people I've talked to who are just like put a lot of pressure and being like, so when are you transitioning? Blah, 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 or whatever. And like getting mm-hmm. into those like pointed kind of modes where they, they say something without saying it. And it's like, yeah, maybe like, maybe I don't care. Right. <laughs> maybe right. I'm not interested in what you have to say about right. how, how I am. Maybe I should be more direct too with where I'm coming from with this. Like I've been exploring like non-binary type stuff. Yeah. And I feel like I haven't been doing it like in the like Facebook official way. Yeah. Kind of like <clears throat> I didn't ask anybody to like start using neutral pronouns, even though. And I've, and I've noticed that actually, that was actually a question that I didn't mm. for you that it's been egging about me for oh. a while. Is that like, I mean, I hear people refer to you as they, they, them, you know, here and there. And, yeah. and I mean, I like, I, I've kind of kept it like in between mm. just because I'm like, you know, some people just enjoy it just as a way of solidarity of like being like, yeah, you can call me they, them, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like just in, in making sure that it enters into the common lexicon of speech is that like, you know, right. this pronoun is just a normal one. Right. Like maybe don't use he, she all right. the time. Right. Just right. Use they for everybody. Um, right. But so, so you, so you do, you have been thinking about that. Yeah. Well, um, and it's funny cause like I'm, I don't really have any, I don't bristle at like he, him pronouns. Uh-huh. So I'm not like specific about that, but I've, I've been, Oh, I'd take some of that. Yeah. Sorry. I'm interrupting because I'm offering Phil some vodka before I just finish it off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, there you go. I feel like, I guess it's something that I think about a lot around kind of, like queer issues, I guess is like sure. in order to like, um, appear legitimate somehow mm-hmm. you want to make it seem like there are protocols that you follow or like there's some kind of like normal way of going about it of mm-hmm. like, um, so in the sense of like non-binary, right? Like people yeah. are like, Oh, you identify as non-binary, um, you must use they, them pronouns and it's yeah. like not necessarily, or like you must present androgynously. Yeah. It's like, yes, kind of, but also like I have a beard and like, I don't really like, I'm pretty much masculine presenting. Yeah. Um, but also like my way of talking isn't necessarily like totally masculine all the time. And, yeah. um, but I'm really into this idea of like mm-hmm. undermining what, something or somebody has to look like or Mm -hmm. appear like in order to be that thing or like, right. So, um, one of my partners pointed out like a trans, um, black lady, I forget who or where, but Mm -hmm. like, um, she still like grows facial hair and like does shit like that. And it was like, fuck you. Like I could present however I want and I'm still a woman. Like, yes. And I'm way into that. So that's kind of what I'm trying to drive at is like, I don't have to like come out on Facebook to like be a certain way or for you to take me seriously a certain way. Like, yeah, just take my word for it when I tell you in person or whenever we happen to talk about it. Well, and, and like to add to that, like, I mean, my own perspective and part of my own wrestling with this was that, you know, like I, I officially had started coming out like as Mm non-binary initially. Mm -hmm. Um, right. because it was, it felt like it was the safest place. For Softer. Me to, yeah. Like it was the safest place for me to come out because I knew that I wasn't typical, but 
you know, I had so many machinations in my mind as fail safes to basically keep me consistently coming back to being like, no, you're, you're a man, you're a man, you're a man, you're Mm. whatever. And that would be like, you'd start to think about it, but then you'd hit something where it would just like reset you Mm. and it would have to be like, you know, pushing you backwards because the binary is so strong Mm -hmm. in how society views individuals, right? especially regarding sexuality and gender, Yeah, which is horrific Mm -hmm. but you know like it was something that like i really needed to work through and so i started off just by coming out strictly non-binary and then was able to have a safe place basically it's just being like this is kind of gonna be me for now Mm -hmm. and having this you know be like a place where i was like well i don't you know and like observing my own sexuality observing my own gender observing like how i felt Mm. and that was the hardest part for me was that when i decided to transition as a woman and to accepting that about myself was that I still felt the pressure to have to somehow justify that to everyone. Right. That there still felt this pressure to be exclusively like feminine somehow, or that mm-hmm. there had to be some place of and mode for me having to wear lipstick or, right. or eyeliner or, or like paint my nails and stuff mm-hmm. and like, and do things that maybe like, I'm not so specifically aware of or didn't really like, haven't thought about not that I'm resistant to it, but that just like, you know, to be performative mm-hmm. in that way. Right. Um, and that there did feel like this internal struggle of feeling like I wasn't going to be validated unless I did that mm-hmm. and that I wouldn't be seen that way. Right. Which is a lot of the struggle because like, it's like, okay. It's a struggle again. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's like, okay, well, how do you transition from being non-binary to, to, to being a trans woman? Right. In so many people's minds, they're still just going to see you like some already so many people will see like, you look like a man. Right. You talk like a man. Yeah. It must be a man. Like, right. you know, like, Oh God. No, but like, you know, then there's also like, even in the queer community, there's just like, well, okay. But like, how does it make you any different from like non-binary or anything like mm. that? And like, you might not say it. Mm-hmm. They might not like say anything so specifically like derogatory, mm-hmm. but like they'll feel it. And mm-hmm. you know, for someone, Imply it or- yeah, for someone who's as, as you know, alert Sensitive. to, <laughs> you know, how other people are feeling. Yeah. I pick up on it and I'm right. like, well, yeah, I, I, I feel that about myself too. Like, like oh, there's cool. a certain self-consciousness that settles in where you're like, well, yeah, what does make me any different? Like, mm. how do I even know that I am actually a woman? Mm. Like, what if I am just a masculine woman? Is it even possible mm-hmm. to be a masculine woman? Like, and just I retain would say, of like, course. yeah. And yeah. we would, we, and you know, from, from the outside perspective, those of us who are actually like allied, right. Or not, I won't say that, that, but those of us who, who, uh, who are dedicated to being allies, like uh, uh, would absolutely be like, yeah, do it. Right. Do absolutely. I'll see you however you choose to see because yeah. your consciousness can be molded however you want it to be. That's the whole thing. And yeah. if it exists that way, that's you and I accept it. Right. And but it doesn't mean that there isn't a part of like, you know, the and in the evolution of of our um of queer consciousness that there mm-hmm. aren't still hang ups as far as seeing us based off of only our bodies. Right. And, um, Mm. that was something that I really had to evolve past on my own and I didn't want anyone else's input on it. I wanted to be able to solidify that for myself as my truth, um, as my experience that I am a woman, Mm. that I am comfortable with that, Mm. that I was comfortable with the word woman Mm. as being an identity, um, and as part of my heart, my soul, my Mm. being, and that my body was not my prison Mm. in how I was able to express my heart. Right. And that my body can be my ally and Mm. that it can be my host and that my home is home. And I needed that to be solidified for me before I could move on. And I didn't need anyone else's input. Mm -hmm. 
so I largely stayed away from, from just social media in general. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's a little distrusting of, of community and whatever else, but you know, being an indigenous person in Montana, I feel like distrust kind of runs a little bit safe. <laughs> Pretty good reason for it. Yeah. You know, but like I, I do love my community and I love the people around me. So, I mean, I'm yeah. very thankful for the people who have been very affirming and loving towards me in my transition. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. And, also, cheers to you, my friend. Cheers. <laughs> Trans power. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So we were talking about grief a lot. Yes. That's something that I've been dealing with, too. Um, I was telling Ash before we turned the mics on, like... Um, so part of what I've been doing up at Cooper's is like getting away for a few weeks and just like taking some space. You need one. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one thing I ended up doing was like, or I've been calling people kind of catching up with people I've been meaning to for a while. Um, one of whom is my ex wife. And we just like spent like an hour, an hour and a half on the phone, like crying and just like talking about kind of what happened with our marriage. Um, I think I, I guess I'm just like going back kind of with the grief. Like, I really think it's important to do the thing if, if possible of like sitting with the thing that has, has died Yeah, and like soaking it in as much as you can. Um, and I guess that's kind of what's interesting to me, like you talked about how you didn't really have a resentment around your dead name. No, I don't. Yeah. Or you don't. And, um, like that seems different to me. Like most people or a lot of people are like, hate their dead name. Right. And like for good reason, I'm sure. And like, there's a lot of trauma around it and stuff. Um, but it does seem to be like more, I don't know. It makes it maybe easier to move on if you're not like, hating something and that's like Mm -hmm. what I've been working with with my own stuff is like coming out of my marriage like a lot of it had to do with like monogamy and like I've made a pivot to like do relationship anarchy like polyamory stuff and that is like um was hard but like part of that is like I for a long time after my divorce like hated monogamy and like was trying to figure out all the time, like how to talk about how shitty it is. Yeah. And like, I think that was something I needed to do to like move forward somehow. But at a certain point also, like I found that it was like a pit Yeah. that like the more that I obsessed about it and like hating it, it mm-hmm. like became harder to move on. Yeah. Um, Whereas, like, if I actually grieved what happened on its own terms instead of, like, trying to project, like, monogamy over it and be like, fuck monogamy, fuck capitalism, like, all this stuff, be like, wait, what if we just, like, engage for a second and just, like, think about how sad it was? Just, like, Mm -hmm. to go through that and to have that happen, like, regardless of why or what you could have done different, just, like, sitting with that. Yeah. Um... And it kind of goes right like to what you're talking about with America and like not wanting to visit the past because like this country has a fucking horrible past. Oh, yeah. I you mean, know, it's, it's all blood based on blood. Yeah. Built on it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I guess there's a question It maybe gets at what you were talking at the beginning too. Like at what point is it possible for us to reconcile like what has happened in this country? Like there's so much blood here that it makes me wonder like if the grieving would ever end or mm. if, if there's a way to move on. I believe so. Yeah. Um, unfortunately it does require a lot of hardship and a lot of self-sacrifice and a lot of, um, a lot of giving up of privilege or a lot of giving back of privilege, I should say. Mm. But that even in of itself, you know, requires its pound of flesh, so to speak. Um, and I like I like I I think that as far as you know what goes with with reconciliation, right? Like that really has to take some method of understanding to to begin with, which we're not even close to that level. Like like Black Lives Matter and everything that we're going through right now is is wonderful. And it's great that we're feeling empowered and we're getting on the same level. And there's so many of us who are becoming self-educated and moving on in a way that like where we're sharing that education with each other, we're sharing the, the, we're correcting our history to one another and we're building the establishment for what can be a foundation of something good in the future. However, racism is just one phalange on, on, on the beast of capitalism and that will never fully change until we can address the beast of the system. Mm. And because ultimately what, we're in, what we end up arguing for is that black people are allowed to die in the same way that white people are under economic fascism. Mm. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Everyone's egalitarian and, and equal under the system of yeah, death that yeah, we already yeah, exist yeah. in. That is fucked. Yeah. How in the world can we con- continue on in this level of progress? It's right. a slow progress, you know, but it's something that we need to, to, to address. Like, I mean, I, you know, I wrote that song, uh, um, the full song Ronan uh-huh. at the very end. I have this addressal of like even Dr. King's speech. Cause you know, Dr. King says, I have a dream. Mm-hmm. And my, the, like one of the last lines in the song before I end up in the chorus is to say, you know, like, well, hun, I can't dream if it's day by day mm. saying that like, I can't continue to believe in this dream and only living it when it's when I'm asleep and when I'm experiencing it incrementally mm. while the system continues to boil me alive, no peace, no poetry right? until they're letting us live. Yeah. You know, no quiet in the cemetery yeah. for all those who've died until we're taken seriously. Right. You know, like that's, that's a whole degree of, of my mentality is that like, this has to be addressed firstly. Yes. To become egalitarian and how we see each other to establish solidarity, to speak truth to power to the larger system, which is the people need to be empowered against the few who are keeping us captive. Mm. Because fuck the system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't tell me that we wouldn't all have a better life somewhere else to some degree mm. if we weren't living paycheck to paycheck 
40 hours a week or more, which for a lot of us, it's way more. Yeah. And having most of our life being consumed with dreaming while we're asleep or nightmares while we're asleep Mm -hmm. and then going to our fucking job. Mm -hmm. That's no way to live, but it's most of the way that we live. Yeah. And I, I cannot, cannot abide that. I'm so angry over it. Mm. And that's not even to speak of the atrocities that have been, that have been, you know, lobbed my way as, as being an indigenous person or towards just black people or towards people of color, towards the BIPOC community at large. That's not even to address that, but just even on the human level, we are facing such an affront, Mm. you know, and for us to just get to this point where we're addressing racial equity that's such a small thing. It's a drop mm. in the bucket of what we, where we need to go, but it's an important drop because it establishes that, that, that mode of solidarity that we can have with one another mm. because we are human. We all need to see each other as human and we need to see that we are powerful together. Mm. All power to the people, workers' rights, Hell yeah. queer power, everything, right? because we deserve to fucking live. Mm. Don't tell me that the dollar is more than my life when mm-hmm. I'm when my life is what gives the dollar its fucking value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of here! Like, no, right? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! Yeah. I don't know if I actually addressed that question, but yes, I do think that Which we question? can. That we can, um, that we can establish, like, what were you saying? That we can establish, like, that, uh, like, kind of, like, um, I don't know. Were you hinting at, like, like the forgiveness of something or, like, or grief? Uh, you were saying we were speaking on grief or, like, that we could overcome that or, like, that there could be, like, amends yeah. made. So, so what now? What about the question? <laughs> I don't know if I actually addressed it. No. <laughs> I feel like I went off on a tangent and then just like ended up like bouncing around it. I tried to address the larger issue, but yes, yeah. I do think that we can get there. It's yeah. just going to require a lot. Right. And it's going to require way a lot more than we think. Yes. And the more education that we have, the, the, the trajectory that we're on as a people together, like those of us who are online and stuff like that, which is a small part of our community, mm-hmm. a small part of our nation, but we are trying and we're doing the best that we can. And all we can do is just, continue to be you know as uh james baldwin had said you know mm-hmm. like he has to be you know this was back in the fucking like 60s 70s yeah, baldwin's and sick. you know and he's saying that he has to be a consistent optimist in, in pessimistic circumstances mm-hmm. otherwise you know the revolution will die mm-hmm. and so absolutely like do not give up do not like let that be the end of it don't be daunted by what the beast looks like because every mm-hmm. little crack in it does some damage to where to what that thing is doing to us yeah i'm uh i've been really interested in the idea of seeds hmm um let me pee really quick yeah let's pause (laughs) did you have a good pee it was relieving to say the least (laughs) the least it was more than that at best it was pleasurable oh that's pretty good. I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it weird. <laughs> it wasn't weird. I have. I take no shame in pleasure. Good. Good. Fuck That's you. Great. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you are. You are doing so well. 
things. It's I'm so proud like of you. Somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I, was ta- I was talking about seeds. If you want to talk about seeds, yeah. I was interested because, like, what you're talking about mm-hmm. um, when we were on the deck about. Um, Oh, talking about like the failure of, um, your life as Thomas. Oh, do you, can we, <laughs> yeah, we could do that. I, I mean, if you don't want to, that's okay. Let me okay. grab a drink. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a dark formulation of that question too. <laughs> I just like I'm very blatant. <laughs> I mean, you were talking about it in those terms, so it's your words. <laughs> Shit. Continue. So, the, you were talking about how a lot of your previous self was just really sad and something that you need to grieve and have needed to grieve. Um, yes. And like part of, or a big part of that is how there are a bunch of aspects that seem not to have like blossomed. Yeah. Of your former self, like just cause of ev- everything, like it didn't, wasn't able to happen. And, yeah. um, it occurs to me like, okay, so I went to this big bonfire burn like a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. with um, one of my partners and she had this big burn pile and there were like pine bows, pine branches in there mm-hmm. with pine cones. And it was like, I was on MDA, like a couple hits of like sassafras. I was very high and it was very violent. The fire was really big and I saw like nature's power and shit. It was like this whole swirling crazy thing. Yeah. And... Then, and some other shit happened that was crazy that made made me feel like I was dying a little bit. But, like, what happened was a few weeks later, when I was passing through on this trip, yeah. I went to see that same burn spot where the, that giant-ass fire was that was so hot. Like, this fire burned. We lit it, like, at dusk the night before, and it burned till dawn easy. Dope. Um, so in that that really scorched spot there were still seeds that had come up from like pine cones in the, wow. in the stuff that mm-hmm. had survived the fire and like were now little baby trees. Yeah. And that was like a really nice little symbol for me. Yes, absolutely. So uh-huh. I've just been thinking about the ways that like, instead of expecting like instant results on stuff, we're just like forming seeds and planting well, them. That even plays into like what I was talking about before with like the idea that life goes on and continues. That's what I'm saying. Is like, I, that's, that's God to me. Right. Like that is, is what is so important to me. And, you know, and I use God as a lack of a better term right now. Cause that's a very English term. Like even, mm. even the Jewish people did not use that term. Like mm. they used Yahweh or mm other terminology but like so like yes understanding that's a colonized term right but i'm saying for lack of a better term that's god that is what is that is the larger body that reflects the smaller body the smaller body reflects the larger Mm. and i 
I think that I really, really enjoy just how loving nature can be in its vis in, in its in, in being so visceral to itself. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that there is the beauty that comes out of that. Um mm-hmm. And in the burning down of something that like that life continues and that even the burning of it is beautiful. You know, it's like that. Well, I'll skip that one, but like, Oh, um, <laughs> well, I was just going to, I was going to quote some Yuki Mishima kind of shit, but like not necessary, but like I, uh, you're so close anyway. I know. But like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like, I feel like my life that burned down behind me is responsible for the me that's growing today. Right. Um, and you know, the cinders are still hot Mm. and the body as it is, is still the ash that's in the cinder, you know? And I, uh, yeah. So, I mean, like that's also a preclusion as to why I chose the name Ash over Ashley Mm. actually. Um, it was a very spiritual thing for me Cool to say that, you know, like out of the ashes of my past, I am who I am today mm-hmm. and that's beautiful Yeah, and growing and lovely. And that, you know, the me of yesterday was definitely the seed um, for today. Hardened and like <laughs> all the stuff. I mean, I, I like the fire and the seed thing. Like, I was just thinking about what it would take for a seed to survive that fire. And I like that yeah. framing because like wow, yeah. How how I usually find my trouble is is like all of my stuff has led me to be like hardened. Yeah. And that is like at one it's my struggle. Like it, I'm trying to figure out how to be more tender and more gentle yeah. and more open to stuff. Yeah. And I, so I think of like the hardness as a bad thing. Well, think of even what allows a seed to grow is it's water and fertile ground. It's not anything to get past its, its hard exterior. It's, it's gentleness. Mm. It's encapsulation. It's nurturing. Nice. You know? So, I mean, like, that's the thing is like, I, I view nature and the rest of the universe as being just the same as we are. Right. And that's like, that's what's so important is that like looking at these, these similarities and these concepts and looking at what, what life around us has to say about who we are is so important. And it's not some woo woo, like spiritual Mm. bullshit. No, Mm. that's, that's just practical because it's science dog. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's scientific, but it also like, I'm, I'm of the opinion that science, spirituality and philosophy will all come to a fulcrum point of life. Mm. They all understand one another when it's true mm. and you know like the, the I, I heard so much bullshit from people who were just like have you ever read walt whitman man mm-hmm. leaves of grass mm-hmm. that's that's like god to me man and then you like get into like talking about like anything like real mm. spiritually and they're like i don't know about that man I don't know mm. it's like no how about you fuck off and have a larger perspective then mm. like be malleable to understand what life can be right because what we see can honestly be representative of who we are. And, you know, that's my whole saying is like, you know, the larger body reflects the smaller Mm -hmm. and and on and on. Mm -hmm. Like just thinking about the universe. Turtles all the way down. (laughs) We can, we can go that way, but like, I mean, that's pretty pessimistic. Sometimes it feels that way, but I mean like, is there pessimism to that? 
I think sometimes. Yeah, I think that sometimes if we if we take it with the, the fact that there's no meaning in it, it's just oh, meaning all the way down. But like, right. um, I like I was, like the smaller turtle reflects the larger mm. turtle is kind of. But that's something that's like even <laughs> you know, from my understanding and like dabbling in like Kabbalah and other things like that. Like mm. I like, yeah. I mean, all of it is is. A reflection of a itself. A reflection of itself. It yeah. is God experiencing itself. It right. is the energy reflecting the larger energy. It is, we are part of it. Yeah. And we cannot disrespect ourselves or disrespect anything else, you know, and then hope that somehow we'll come out well on the other side. Mm. We need that. Somebody, I saw on the fucking internet, a thing, a pithy thing about like how, um, Resentment is where we abandoned ourself. Resentment happens when we abandon ourselves. Huh. I like that. Wow. It seemed to be I'm gonna have to sit with that one. That's that's a pretty heady concept for me. And well it's an, an a deep, deeply emotional one as well. Yeah. Because resentment, I mean, like that's who doesn't have that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then the ties to regret and everything else. Right. But like where we abandon ourselves. Like, I mean, probably. I could, I could see that being a very possible case. Yeah, right. Because you, re- you um, regret things that you should have done otherwise. And maybe if you were truer to yourself, then you would have done them. And you wouldn't have resentment about them. You know, I have regrets. I don't know that I resent myself anymore mm. for any of them. Like, I mean, I... You know, full disclosure, even for others, like, I mean, I, I have no shame in saying that I had like a deeply problematic relationship with my, with my, um, with my ex-partner mm-hmm. and that I wasn't good to her and she mm. wasn't really good to me and that we deeply loved each other, but that like, that it, it wasn't, bear out that it wasn't way. good, yeah. you know, and that like that I didn't have to deeply change who I was, you know, despite all the trauma, like the trauma yeah, it might be a causation, but it's not an excuse. Mm. And I still had to accept the responsibility at the end of the day. And so I live with so much regret, things that I never rightly would have wanted to do and didn't mean to do, but that mm. I still have to live with and mm-hmm. have to be kind to in the understanding of what's burning behind me, mm. you know? Yeah. And I think that it's possible to have regret without resentment, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's, it's, that's part of the grief though. Right. I think that's part of the saying goodbye. I think it's part of the forgiveness. I think that you can't have, I don't think that you can have forgiveness without grief. Right. Because you have to acknowledge. Or regret of some kind. Yes. Yeah. Because if there's something to forgive, then something shouldn't have happened. Right. There's something to regret. Right. If you were the one responsible. Right. There's something to re- to regret in there, no matter what. There's there should be some understanding, which is even to tie into like the, you know the, the the idea of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You know, on the larger level, is that like there should be an acknowledgement of regret on how our country treated its people. Mm. You know, there are still people buried in like the fucking happen. Hoover Dam, yeah, who died and they just cemented them up. There's bodies in that fucking who? dam, huh? Who? I, I don't mean to mis- misspeak this. I, this. I heard this a long time ago, yeah. but I heard that like the Hoover Dam was partially built by a lot of Asian immigrants 
and that when they died, they like just that some put of them, in. like yeah, some some I heard that some Jesus. immigrants did fall in and just like collapsed into that, and then they just they just kept going. Yeah, um, I don't know how true that is. Maybe that might just be a rumor. Word, but I but felt, your point stands. Yeah, yeah, but my point stands in there is just like yeah, like there should be understanding that like there is regret buried deep down underneath everything. Right, and there is no acknowledgement of what happened. Right, and that until there is an acknowledgement and a, a regret on a personal level, or on a societal level, mm-hmm. you know that there can be no reconciliation. You can't there can move be no on. forgiveness. Yeah. Right. Both parties have to know that a wrong was done. And recognize it and mm-hmm. accept responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, responsibility is tough to take. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. That's something that strikes me. It's that pound of flesh. Yeah, that's the pound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because, because you you have to acknowledge like, that you fucked up. Yeah, mm-hmm. it 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 has to in, inquire about your shame. Mm. It has to inquire about your insecurity. Right. It has to inquire about you. Your failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like we hate that shit. But why? Why should we hate our? Yeah. Failure? No, we learn from it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. It it's is a seed, baby. It is. Yeah. And it is. We live in a in a world in a universe that reflects consistently birth and death. And in that, you know, like the understanding that our failure, our death and the acknowledgement of it can be our rebirth. Right. It, it's cyclical. That's a whole different mindset though, than what we usually think like failure. We're supposed to hate ourselves for failure. I learned that in seventh grade, even seeing that was that like we, uh, we had to address that in my world history class where we were talking about like, you know, the, the, the Mayans and Aztecs and Mm. stuff. And we were talking about the conquistadors and then them bringing over Christianity and that like the, they touched on it, like the minor, sorry, my burp, but like they touched (laughs) on the minor, aspect of theology saying that like, you know, Christianity goes from A to B, mm. which is creation to apocalypse, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It sounds like a binary fucking it system. Is very right? much so. Yeah. And they're like, well, maybe at the end when Jesus comes back, there might be a new one. Who knows? You know, like <laughs> go buck wild. But then, you know, but, and then they also, but they did highlight, and this was my very first interaction with this because my parents never taught me about any of this. Mm. Even, even the fact that my mom grew up traditional and was like a, was a uh, medicine woman, and everything mm. else. Like she didn't talk to me about this because we were colonized in our own sense because we were evangelical Christians. Mm. So this was my first interaction with it. And it always stuck with me that they like, they meant to highlight in this history book by accident, probably that the indigenous mindset was that everything was a cycle that it would always begin and end and then begin again. And that was their idea. And they did that because they were talking about like the Aztec prophecy of, you know, 2012, baby, it's going to start all over again. Here we go. You know, and they were doing that and they were trying to highlight that, that interesting notion. But, and they were saying that 2012 wasn't saying that in the prophecy that like everything was going to end. Mm. It was saying that everything was going to begin again mm-hmm. in 2012. Mm-hmm. But from the colonizer perspective, oh, they're just trying to predict the rapture, mm. <laughs> which is like ridiculous. Mm. But that was like my first instinct was I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like things just kind of just keep going, mm-hmm. you know? 
the stars blow up. They form again. Right. They keep going. Or they perform black hole and possibly lead to a different type of universe. Who knows? But that keeps going. But it keeps going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in my understanding of God, that's that's my understanding is that mm-hmm. life will continue to go onward. Everything continues. Right. Nothing really ever stops. And no, nothing ever ends. No. Nothing begins. All this shit gets really weird, too. I don't know if it even is weird. I think it should just be a comfort to us. I think that's a great way of thinking about it. But compared to the normal framework, it's oh. weird as shit. I mean, I do. Time as I, a circle like, and I, shit. I have cognitive dissonance there yeah. because I still maintain a very healthy sense of existential despair and fear. <laughs> so I'm not telling you in that, like, you know, at the, at the ending points of the night that I don't just go like, oh, my God. Like just shake myself asleep or anything. (laughs) I do have those nights. Right, right. But I have learned how to, the progress that's been in my life in having to understand that maybe it's just better to understand that like my importance is not indicative off of my purpose in this life or that somehow like I needed to earn that. Mm. But that maybe this has just always been going Mm. and that my purpose in life is just to experience, to learn, to live to feel yeah, and to be whole and that at the end of my life that will dissolve into everything else and that it adds to whatever happens to be here right already and that's okay right right but your life never ends either like that's part of the whole thing like maybe that's part of it though yeah i don't cl- i have what i have you know max like 80 some hundred like 100 years possibly you know 80 and, or 100, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, you know, and then I'm done. Right. That And, and I have all that time to, to, to gain this perspective on what the universe is, you know, in the sense of like, you know, it experiencing itself, the energies all being encapsulated in this point of contingency. Yeah, yeah. But for what? You know, and then like if, and if I do see it that way, like maybe it is just specifically to experience it. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. And that should be okay. Right. Because at the end, like I'll still receive that same rest and I don't mm-hmm. need to look at it as me going on to my heavenly reward or anything else mm-hmm. like that. But that maybe, you know, in that sense that it is, it is the rest that comes after and having acquired what I experienced mm. good and bad as an understanding. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, it's hard to tell what led to what at a certain point like it all just gets mixed up together in like this time circle like well i don't know if i'm getting very limited understanding because even in time like there i don't know if you've ever heard of like uh like four-dimensional viewing or something i I, maybe i'm like getting into things that i i know a little bit about but like um, I believe the fourth dimensional perspective is the viewing of time as like from, from that fourth dimensional perspective, which is to see that basically if we looked at ourselves in time that we would see our, we would be able to see time as a tangible thing mm-hmm. and everything that we've ever done would be encapsulated in almost like a solid. Right. Um, and that we would be able to view it, but that we wouldn't be able to view all of it like as like specific things that we did along the stream of time, but that we would be able to look at it as just like 
a continuous flat, continuous thing. Right. And that's a really interesting perspective because that does exist. Like I think they've calculated it out to like something like 12 different kind of dimensional viewpoints yeah. or whatever else. So, I mean like in our small perspective of what we're experiencing, we can't see that. Yeah. And so we, we experience time one bit at a time and we, we move along the path. We yeah. experience time linearly. Like, and, I think that's true. Yeah. And so we shouldn't be trying to figure out everything like all at once as though right. like we have to have all the answers. I think right. we should be content to just be w- with our experience at the moment. Mm. Otherwise we're going to drive ourselves fucking crazy. For sure. Like, cause no, you're trying to do everything at once. We'll never have an answer for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it's just pointless. Yeah. Like it's like there, there, like what? There's that fucking like rainbow shrimp that has like however many different cones and rods in its eyes, so it yeah. can see however like like Infrared probably like, or some like shit. T- no, it has like something like 120 different like places of color that it can see that we can't. Yes. Yeah. Why does a shrimp have that? You know, like and like <laughs> there's this thing of like you know like there are things that like we would deem like shouldn't be able to have that kind of understanding but do Mm. and then there are us who like are able to encapsulate and push on meaning or whatever to whatever it is and we don't have that Mm. so i mean like i think we should just be content within our limitations and be content with what we can experience and Mm -hmm. what we what with with what we can feel and wrestle that out and it's enough as it is right it should be (laughs) yeah yeah Right. Like uh, the only thing that I think that like really poisons that whole thing is the, is the capitalist mess that mm. says that we have to have some kind of purpose, mm. you know, for whatever higher power or for like, you know, for uh feigned solidarity or whatever mm. else. Mm. I think that's been very, very, very toxic for us. Right. Um, and has actually prevented us from living yeah. and from experiencing and, and from, from finding and, purpose ironically yeah right <laughs> absolutely well when someone tells you that your purpose can only exist within this yeah. like you know uh, spectrum of reality right you're never gonna really experience your purpose because sure. your purpose probably doesn't have anything to do with that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> crazy <What do> you <laughs> <know>? <laughs> crazy yeah hmm <laughs> Where next? Oh, God. Do I have to come up with another question, like a real interviewer? I don't know. Uh, about the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> what did you, you eat for breakfast? <laughs> what did you eat for breakfast? Did I, you eat breakfast I today? Had, you know what I did when I woke up immediately, to be real? What? I had a shot of vodka. <laughs> did you? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, okay, we're going to, we're going to go back to the grief thing. Okay, good, yeah. Um, and that's probably best. And honestly, where should we, we should take it. This is kind point. of where we're both at. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. that this has been like, has been the whole thing is like the, the idea of, of reconciliation of grief and of purpose. Yeah. Wow. How existential of us Just can our heads be any farther <laughs> up each other's asses at this point. At least it's not our own. Wow. Two punk musicians come <laughs> on a podcast to talk about the universe as we know it. What do you know? Hmm. <laughs> Yummy. Great. Um, <laughs> it could be worse. It could be like <laughs> some jam band musicians. <laughs> it would be worse that, if we were that. If like we're telling you pretty... that DMT was a technology <laughs> and that next week I'm going to be on the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> I'm getting more and more interested in DMT. So <laughs> I don't know what that makes me. Oh, it makes you white. <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> and it makes me drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to leave that. <laughs> I was going to say something about appropriating <laughs> culture. But. Yeah, look at the Japanese people. <laughs> they're, uh, they're really good with that, actually. With appropriation? Uh-huh. What about it? They're in a very appropriative culture yeah. right now. Yeah. Their their popular culture is very appropriative, specifically towards American culture. In a surprisingly good way sometimes. Like they appropriate our culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that cultural appropriation is like inherently bad all the time. Yeah. I think that there are a lot of great ways that we can appropriate culture as long as we have a respect for where we're taking it from. Mm. It's just that you as people have no respect for anything but themselves. <laughs> mm. um, so like white people with dreads? What do you think? Oh, boy. Is there a way for a white person to do that? No. <laughs> How many white people with dreads have you asked, do you think you're being appropriative? And they go, yeah, maybe. Maybe I should pay a little bit closer attention. None of them. Every single person no, that I've ever yeah, asked none. that has been like, I don't know, bro. Why are you asking me that? Like mm-hmm. you get immediately defensive. And if you're defensive after a, a simple inquiry like that, you're probably on the bad side of things. A little fragile. Yeah, perhaps. But if they didn't do that, if they didn't and they were like, you know, would they just cut them it? off <laughs> at that point? Is, is that <laughs> the point? Like, I think that like, they wait, would I have to have it. a really damn good excuse about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, where they'd be like, I don't know. I just felt like being a hippie and like, this seems like it worked, but maybe I should think about it a little bit more. Right. But like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I don't hold resentment towards anyone that has like any degree of ignorance, you know, like yeah. I don't feel that way about people. Like, I mean, yeah. like, you know, I've, I've had to stumble my way through life all like the same as everyone else. Like right. I've made stupid decisions and right. I've said stupid things about trans people when I wasn't aware of it. And I'm, yeah. I'm a trans woman. So yeah. like, I mean, like it happens, like there's right. no need to feel shame about what happened before us or mm. like when we didn't, we weren't aware of things. Mm-hmm. It's just all about education. Right. Unfortunately, we just deem ignorance as being a fault. Yeah. Character flaw. Sometimes it's, uh, different today when you called me, I hadn't changed your name from Thomas to Ash on my phone. Uh-huh. And so you called and I just got, I literally just gotten stung by a bee. Yeah. As I told you. Uh-huh. And it was this whole thing where like I knew like I should change the name on here uh-huh. so that I don't like dead name Ash on accident. Uh-huh. And then I didn't do that uh-huh. because I hate my phone <laughs> and I'm lazy and everything. Yeah. And then you called and I was like in the middle of yard work uh-huh. and then I literally got stung by a bee and instead of like ignoring your call and calling you back in a few minutes, <laughs> yeah. I was like, ah, like Tom is calling, Ash is calling, like I'm excited, like answer it. Uh-huh. And then I said, hey, Thomas. And that was like the one thing I was like, I'm, I don't want to do that, uh-huh. but I hadn't prepared. Uh-huh. And so when everything came down and then the bee stung me... I dead named you, sort and like luckily you don't particularly like that doesn't hurt you, or that at this point like you've said. But well, it was, it was also really funny too because I just had woken up, like yes. I literally had just woken up, right? And then was just like, yeah, what's up? Yeah, you didn't even seem to care. Even you were just like, I didn't yeah, even think I, I heard just, you to be honest. Maybe you didn't. I was just like yelling to myself, just like, ah, fuck, Thomas, <laughs> fuck, Ash, ah, I just got stung by a bee, and you're like. 
oh hey i just woke up and yeah. so like all of my fr- and anyway. then I, and then i made a joke about that being a risk in your particular line of work and yard work yeah yeah i had it coming for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's thing so anyway i don't know ignorance is one thing yeah wait pause but even, i have to pee again do you yeah my that's, bladder's tiny. i do too <laughs> yeah we're just talking just chatting yeah yeah it's more like a couple old ladies couple old ladies hanging. Old, old and then you get to listen days. to them talk how exciting is that oh my god listening to old old punk ladies yeah it's almost as exciting if we were to be uh jam band <laughs> old biddies <laughs> <laughs> i watched that one documentary on like what's his name from the grateful dead yeah jerry or something no Who? the other one Something Weir, Bob Weir. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Long Strange, whatever, Bob Weir. Long, Long Strange, strange trip, trip of Bob Weir. Yeah. Oh. Seeing all those old hippie ladies and yeah. shit. Well, you know, they all are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all hippie ladies. <laughs> They're old hippie ladies. <laughs> At this point. Oddly informative. Oddly unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. At least, at least from my perspective, I won't say that for anyone else. I had a good time watching it. Would never watch again. Yeah, yeah. That band is really something. You think so? In their way, certainly <laughs> they are. I can't say that I've listened to even I, a full album, actually. Who can? Yeah. It's longer than the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a whole year of my life listening to one Grateful Dead song. Yeah. Did you... <laughs> like every day in your car is like okay here's the next no it just never ended yeah 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 (laughs) just taking bits of it Mm -hmm. i they they had a cool album yeah talk about a four-dimensional perspective on a grateful dead song (laughs) jesus (laughs) brick (laughs) (laughs) they were part of some cool shit in psychedelia yeah they were acid kool-aid uh acid test or whatever Yeah. yeah With uh, what was his name? Keezy, Ken Keezy. No, the one who was the driver. Oh, what was his name? it was Dean Moriarty's real person. I can't remember. I know that they were like they were they you know they were they were uh, beatniks in, in in and of themselves. But I also have a certain disdain for beatniks. Mm. I mean, I have a respect for beatniks. I also have a very big disdain for them. Yeah, why? Like, who is it? Who is it that wrote Naked Lunch? Oh. Uh it'll come it'll come he's like he was in like that like drugstore cowboy and everything else like yeah he, like but he murdered his wife oh in mexico oh really yeah and he got away with it he was just a junkie yeah, yeah he, like he just he was just a fucked up bad white individual right um who got away with it because he was a hippie yeah because uh, he was somehow exploring life and the hedonisms mm. therein. There's a lot of problematic shit within the beatnik culture that was just like really bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had like a lot of respect for them initially because mm. I mean, like they were really responsible for, for a lot of like, uh, as a lyricist, I like, I mean, I go back and read into all of that, but mm-hmm. I also make sure that I do a lot of, um, uh, research on the individuals themselves because like I, I feel it's it's responsible as a consumer of mm. whatever art I'm taking in mm-hmm. to be aware of who I'm taking that from. Right. You know, if someone's selling me whatever, it's good to know their hygiene before I consume whatever I just took from their hand. Right. So I mean like in that way, like I 
Mm. I read up on some of these artists um, and their lifestyles and their life and their controversies and stuff to be aware of, like, you know, how far I really do ingest their artwork and their mentalities and their ideologies right. before I do that. And yeah, some of them beatniks. Mm. Not so much. Wow. Shitty. Shitty. What do you think about... So do you think if somebody, like, is a nasty person and they make, like, really good art, we should at least be aware of it or we should not engage with that art or... No, I think we should totally engage with the yeah. art, but then I think that we should also be very much aware of what yeah, happened. right. I think it would be good to have that as, a, as an introduction to everything that we're consuming. Sure. I mean, like, I... Where does this come from? Personally, you know, like, my favorite director for a very long time was Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, Manhattan mm -hmm. was a really deeply um, influential movie to me when I was in my teen years. Mm. Um, and, you know, people like to say Annie Hall. I thought Annie Hall was okay. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, there's there's other films that he made that I, like, really, really loved. And he, mm. like, actually was, like, a, um, a, 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 a starting point for me, like, as far as existential philosophy mm. in, in a lot of things because he was very existential in his movie yeah. making and like he you know his like his whole um you know his his dialect is is lifted from ingmar bergman mm. and everyone else so i mean like i mean there's there's a lot going into that mm. but you know with everything that comes out and him you know and all his problematic wonder yeah of being you know a possible child rapist mm -hmm. and, um having groomed his stepdaughter into a marriage and everything else. Like, yeah. I mean, like that's something that everyone needs to know. Right. And that should be aware of before you watch a movie about how he has a, a relationship with a nearly underage girl. Mm. Um, and then exalts that to some degree. Mm. I, I took it a different way when I was a kid as an adult, I can't help but see how disgusting it looks. Mm. Um, I still understand it from the way that I, I received it, but that was my own purpose. That was my own interpretation of what I was seeing in the art that I was, mm. that I was viewing. Mm. Um, that wasn't his intended, intended point. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, like, I think everyone can glean something if you're responsible and you understand where you're taking it from, mm. make sure that you're not like making excuses or whatever else, because Woody Allen is a despicable man. Yeah. You know? bar none so and there's an argument that like as an artist it's your job to like maintain i don't know the picture of your yourself so that it doesn't interfere with your artist like because i'm tempted to be like really a douchebag like aesthetic person about this and be like just talk about the art like we can we could take that art on its terms Right. But that's clearly like not the case. Right. Like yeah. our reading of an art, a piece of art, if we know about the artist and we and there are aspects of the arts that we should know about and seem to have bearing on it. Like mm -hmm. that's something that affects how we take that piece of art in. Like as you're pointing out, like knowing that about Woody Allen, like you can't just like watch him dealing with um like young love, like a young lover in the same way, in the same way that like 
with Louis C.K., we can't watch him like make a joke about masturbation anymore. Like, no, because it's just like clearly it's tainted with the fact that he did that, right? But <laughs> you know, and like the the thing stands like that joke was really funny and effective before we knew about that. You know, but he was always advertising a certain kind of scummy nature. Like the thing is, is that right. Louis C.K. has never held any reservations about declaring himself to be a specific kind of asshole, sure. and like. And I think that we need to take that in perspective. It's like, mm. if you are taking art from someone's hands, the hygiene that they have in their personal life is going to be passed on in what you're consuming. I like that analogy a lot or the metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't just make sure you sanitize whatever you're eating. Mm. Be aware of like, if you don't like this per- particular part of this person's life, if you're in, if you're consuming that, clean it up mm-hmm. make sure that you're being careful because mm-hmm. like you don't want to just like accidentally like adhere to some kind of problematic viewpoint right. that's part of the problem why right. we still are dealing with all the problems that we have today right it's from dealing with so many different people who are who are or artists that have pro- passed on like problematic viewpoints because they themselves were shitheads mm-hmm. you know that might have had a good point here and there right but they're not meant to be deified as though they like they're they're you know, talking points are the be all end all to whatever we laugh about or cry about or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Like we have our own viewpoints. It is our responsibility to take those things that we consume and ensure that they are nourishing to us Mm. and to others. Mm. No one can convince me otherwise. Right. No, I think you're on it for sure. Bye. Bye. I guess it's that thing of satire kind of that we were talking about before. Oh yeah. Is what that makes me think of like, mm-hmm. mm, and I don't want to be like a fucking have Louis CK be my, my guy, <laughs> my guy at all, but like, he's an easy example. Right. And I know him. Yeah. I like, I've liked him um, in the past. And so like, I would like to say that, Louis C.K.'s jokes about masturbation, if you could block out his personal life somehow, like those are really good satires and good commentary about like toxic masculinity and shit like but that. But are they? Well, I don't know. Exactly. And yeah. That's the thing is that like we still now have they to don't understand it. Yeah. Because that's the that's that's the part of it is that like okay like if I if I meet someone. You know, and it's in their history, like in their family history that they had like, you know, problematic viewpoints and then they come up to this point. I have to, they are, they're going to have some of that inheritance Mm. in their viewpoint. Mm -hmm. That's part of the thing is like, you know, like if you have dirt at the bottom of a glass and you're pouring water and it's going to take a lot of water to be able to finally pull all the dirt out because you're going to have to keep pouring, Mm. you know, and like Mm. that there's still some kind of stain of viewpoint in that. So in consuming what we're laughing about and consuming what we take humor in, consuming what we, what we cry about, whatever it is, we have to be certain that we ourselves are holding a specific kind of uh, standard yeah. of how we engage with others. Like, I think that's, that's part of the folly is that no one takes responsibility for themselves. Mm. Like, don't tell me that, like, just because Louis C.K. said this thing, like, that all of a sudden, like, you know, 
I just thought it was fine all of a sudden. It's like, no, fuck you. Take responsibility for your life. If you didn't think that was good and you were told that as a kid and you think that, that might be bad, like, don't do it. And if someone's telling you a joke and it might strike you a little odd here and there, maybe question why it's odd. Mm. You know, like, yes, those jokes are funny to some degree, but there's a, there's a mix of tragedy in there. Why were they tragic? Right. What is it about that, that led Louis to make that joke? Mm. And it's in his personal life. We come to find out. Right. So everything that we have, we have to be skeptical about Mm. the media that we're, we're consuming. Right. Like we have all these opinions floating around in our sphere. We have to make certain that what we're consuming is palatable to who we are. Be, you first and foremost above anyone else take responsibility for your own life and observe your own fucking autonomy Mm. don't be misled by anyone absolutely educate Mm -hmm. absolutely take in what is around you but be responsible for your own life because if you're if you aren't careful someone else is going to hold you responsible for it right like Louis C.K. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and he can fuck off. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good point. Because, like, and this is something, like, maybe for me to address. Because I put that forward as, like, something that's fake. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the truth is that part of me would still like to defend Louis C.K. Having liked him in the past. Yeah. So much. Like, he yeah. has been an important comedian. And this is kind of the hard question, right? Like... Yeah. And what we talk about when we talk about white fr- fragility and yeah. stuff is like, because, mm, right, I put that argument forward as like, well, what if I wanted to say that, like, maybe Louis C.K.'s joke still has some stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a thing that I still think. Like, and a part of that seems to be because, like, I don't really want to look at the kind of person that I was when I laughed at that, mm. given mm-hmm. now yes. what's happened and what's come out. Yeah. It's like, oh, I was actually laughing at and identifying with like a criminal masturbator or yeah. whatever. Like a, a and not to diminish that, like it's a sexual assailant or however you want to put that. Yeah. Like somebody who has <laughs> violated other people in this way. And there is nothing wrong with being able to say that maybe a pro like a viewpoint you had was problematic before. Like grow past it. It's fine. It's okay. You know, like I know that there are, there's a, there's a fear because of call out culture and other things like that. Like, right. like made us scared that like we're going to somehow like all of a sudden lose be canceled and like yeah. be canceled and whatever else. I don't want that to be like the fear of it because I grew up with that. Mm. I grew up with that in Christian culture. Right. If you sin too much, you're shame. canceled. Yeah. You have shame. It's you live by this, this method of shame. That is an inherently colonizer viewpoint, even in and of itself. Mm. And I don't think cancel culture was meant to be used that way. Mm. I think cancel culture was used to be as a method of empowerment for queer and people and for community policing. Community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that it's, it's perspective and where it started from was, was bad, but I do think that there has been a method of shame that has been acquired in that that has that has discouraged people from 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 feeling safe to just admit that they were wrong right beforehand right or to to feel in, empowered to to observe their life and and its problems right um and to grow past them right like there's not enough compassion in that mm. to be a fucking cop you know right totally I think part of the problem is that, like, in identity politics, like, we are expected to, 
like make our politics our identity in some sense. And yeah. that's and I don't think there's a problem with that inherently. Yeah. But it's tough like if before your politics were really bad. Yeah. Because that reflects badly on you as a person. Yeah. And like that may be right or wrong. Like I guess the trouble with that is that people don't like to think about themselves as bad people. And so they'd rather just say, no, 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 I'm not a bad person. Yeah. And then there's just no way to start. Yeah. Like, and there's all the shame built into that. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening and if you have had a problematic viewpoint or whatever else, like at least know for me, you are welcome to grieve that and that you have had a moment to realize that you were wrong and you can feel bad about it and you can feel safe and feeling bad about it. It's okay. You can continue to grow and your past doesn't have to define you. It's mm. fine. It's fine. You are who you're going to be today. Mm. Be compassionate to yourself. Otherwise you're, you're holding yourself in the same viewpoint that we do about our prison system today, mm. which is to say that like, you know, one person made one mistake. Now and you're can't shitty. Be rehabilitated. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. No, I don't need my mental prison. I don't need my mental prison to reflect the prison system that we have today. Fuck the systematic viewpoints that has so colonized our country. Right. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah. No. Grow, be good, and hope. Yeah. Hope is a big one. That's a tough one. I've heard the distinction between call-in culture as opposed to call-out culture. I've heard that too. Yeah, Shannon used that the other day. Yeah, and call-in culture is 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 something that I'm a, a proponent of. I mean, I know it's just basic, like, you know... Vocab or... Vocab and, yeah. and whatever. But, like, you know, it's important to know that our community cares about us. Yeah. It's important to know that we have community to fall back on. And we have to have that. If you right. can't trust your community, then all these problems will continue onwards because our community policing will be no different in the social aspect than the policing that we have right now. Right. Someone's going to draw the gun on you and, oh, no, you're canceled. Mm, mm. Fuck that. Right. Be kind to one another. Be understanding enough. And if someone isn't, is refusing to change, by all means, call them out. Mm-hmm. Cancel them. Mm. That's not what that's used for, mm. though, just with basic things. Be compassionate to one another, first and foremost. Violence should always be the last resort. And I say that as an indigenous person who's experienced all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's hard to change my mind on it. Yeah. Um, something that you said before you played Bloodmouth in uh, Bozeman. Yeah. Back when we were playing shows. Yeah. Um, was that these mechanisms of power and oppression? Like, because you were talking about how um, you and Aaron are, you, you did like the whole spiel actually before, right? Like me and Aaron are indigenous and like we're seeing this to be angry as like indigenous people. Yeah. And you were talking about like, we're angry because like we've seen all this death mm-hmm. and all this stuff happened to our culture and like, you should be angry too. Mm-hmm. Cause it's going to happen to you. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I, I just like this idea that it's already happening to certain groups and yeah. like, it's going to happen to you too. Yeah. It like starts on the edges and then it works its way in. 
is like something that we should definitely be thinking about. Yeah, think of it as gangrene. Mm. You know, like something that starts on the outward, it's still going to make its way to the heart mm-hmm. eventually. Right. And the whole body dies. Yeah. We're seeing that now with the American Empire as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, absolutely. Like, I wrote that song and I start that song by, you know, uh, singing, you know, about like just wage slavery in general. Right. You know, and, and like being under the constant duress of the working life mm. and how that's demanding its pound of flesh from us. Boss makes a dollar. Yeah. yeah. Well, I make a dime. Yeah. That's why I die on company time, baby. Like, you know, like that's the whole thing. It's like it, it just, it demands our life mm-hmm. on a basic level. Mm-hmm. But then I bring it into the historical perspective of saying, you know, like you break me to bend my wounded knee. You make me wear every bruise like wedding rings. You know, like that is meant to say that like my people have experienced this already. Mm. And if you don't care about us, you're not looking hard enough because what we are is a prime example of what your government is going to do to you eventually. Yeah. You know, because this is part of the capitalist system. Mm -hmm. The racism was just to get us out of the way to make room for this being Mm. the foundation. Mm. We were eradicated in order to build your cities. Mm. We were moved off of our land to make room for your cities. Mm. But your cities will move you out of the way Mm -hmm. to make room for their power. Mm. No matter what, that greed knows no end. Mm -hmm. That avarice will kill you. Right. Avarice. Mm -hmm. One of the deadly sins, yeah? Yeah. I didn't know what that was. I think that actually in the Bible, Jesus specifically condemns uh, and I have to make this clear. I'm not a Christian, but like I, I learned a lot from the Christian religion. Like yeah. I, I spent time as a pastor and whatever else for like quite a while of time. So as I'm a very, pastor, yeah, I was a youth pastor for two years. Oh, really? I grew I up. In, I, I grew up in in the in the religion. I was I was well. I knew that. It, but <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, I've huh. known it my entire life. I could I could uh, I could I could put him up in the same way with like any any uh, theological scholar. Yeah, you know I I know my I know my. Uh, your biblical shit. I know my biblical shit for sure. <laughs> but like, you know, in that, I would say that I also gleaned a lot from it. Uh-huh. And uh, there are some very deep truths in there. And a lot of what Jesus had to say specifically about greed, which he addressed more than anything else, mm. um, has to deal with with what we're experiencing today. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he says it's like, you know, the, the famous scripture of like, you know, like, okay, it's like, it's easier for a pa- for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for rich man to enter the gates of heaven or something. Or th- uh, yeah, exactly. Is that, yeah. Because yeah, you're, you're, you, it's impossible. Right. That's what he was saying. He's saying it's impossible if you have all this wealth and you don't share it with anyone else. You love no one but yourself. Mm. So you serve no one mm. but yourself. You cannot possibly see what it is to be human, mm-hmm. and you will fail as your understanding of you the won't love any balance of yeah. a human. Yeah. Well, not even like that, you know, that he, the individual, the rich individual would love Jesus. Cause like, I mean, I have my qualms with that in, in general, but like you can't love your neighbor if you are a rich person only consumed with acquisition mm. because you're going to eventually want to move your neighbor out of the way to acquire more. Yeah. To get their fucking land. Yeah. And why? <laughs> Human value is more important mm. than menial objects. Mm. 
what's shiny. Like I, right. I I've addressed this before where like what is a dollar? A dollar is parchment. It's nothing else. Like I I I'm I'm touching my couch. This is material. Yeah. There's nothing in that that ascribes that it's worth anything outside of my own perspective and my own consciousness saying that, man, this couch is nice. Mm -hmm. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it is. But, you know, who is the one who assigns the value? Me. Mm. In our understanding of economic currency, what establishes that value? Humans. If I cannot understand the value of my neighbor, I will have such a skewed value of what money is and I will only make money about myself. The people who are billionaires, who this fucking Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, everyone else, all these billionaires who mm-hmm. are just acquiring money, they don't care about money. They don't care about the actual physical dollar. They care about power. Mm-hmm. It is nothing else to them at this point. Right. What it means to them is the the association that they can do whatever they want to whomever they want yeah. with with impunity. Yeah. Because they Hire have a lawyer. no respect for human life. None. Mm. They are war criminals in my mind. Yeah. Um They don't care about you. They don't stop care. buying from Amazon. They don't care. I just started watching The Expanse on Amazon. I don't know what that is. It's, just this, <laughs> it's like a sci-fi TV series. Sorry, I'm getting all preachy on here. No, it's it's cool. I wanted to bring us back just to be like, <laughs> actually, I use Amazon. <laughs> I know I shouldn't. It's okay. I, I don't, don't wanna, order I don't a lot of stuff I don't want to make everyone feel like they're bad for what they do at this moment. Just like, you know, also, but be responsible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I'm not out mm. here trying to condemn anyone. I don't want you to, like, I'm talking to you. I don't want you to feel like I'm <laughs> mad at you. I'm not <laughs> mad at you right now. <laughs> I, I reserve the right to be mad at you in the future. <laughs> but, like, I, like, you know... I want everyone to be empowered. Yeah. I like that, how you talk about being responsible for things. Because that's how you get empowered. But it sucks if what you're taking responsibility for is shitty, too. Yes. Which is what we, like, have to do first. Yeah. Right? Like, if you're trying to start a new... You have to be like, oh, well, here's the ashes of shit. And here's, like, what is fucked up. And I take we, responsibility for that, and then you can move forward. To say that, in the ashes of your of your decisions that you've made, when you burn that down and you say that it is no longer good, something good comes of it. Mm. It's okay. It's okay to feel bad about what you did. And to burn it. And to burn it down so that the new you and the new understanding can be there. Yeah. Fill your glass with something good. You don't have to live the way that you've always had to live. Right. You can't hope for more. Yeah. Otherwise, what are we fighting for? What are we doing? Yeah. Nihilism. Yeah. There's that tor- turtles all the way down thing. You know, what yeah. am I going to do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want that doomer perspective. Yeah. Boo. Boo. Upwards. Yeah. Somehow. Upwards and onwards. Yeah. Otherwise, then my people died for nothing. Mm. 
black people are dying for nothing. Your inaction means your, your, your hesitancy to grow means that, you know, the children who are dying in cages right now die for nothing. Mm. Make something of it. Internalize that value of their death. Internalize the value of their life. Internalize what it means to have human life. Fight for their survival. Fight for your survival. God damn it. Feel something. Mm. Feel whole. Fight to be human. Mm-hmm. It's important. You are worth something. And if you're worth something, then everyone else is worth something. Yeah, yeah. Don't hold that in in word all the time. Like you don't have to. You don't it's have to. It's a waste feel alone. too. Yeah. yeah. Like it's 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 so important. Like you, capitalism strips of our uh, strips us of our meaning of humanity. Mm-hmm. We need that back. We're whole. And we need to be whole and not think that we're something less. Yeah. Also, I've never seen that on Netflix. Which one? Whatever you're talking about. That the show. Expanse? Yeah. It's on Amazon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's on one of the other fucking streaming platforms that we have to pay for in order to see our shitty, stupid ed- entertainment. Honest, I borrow Amazon Prime from someone, so whatever. <laughs> Steal from Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, folks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to do more? I think we're at two hours or so. You know, however long you want to go, Phil, I'm drunk and willing to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've gotten more fired up as, as long as we've Maybe been we should keep going. <laughs> you know, we started in one area and yeah. we just kept going. <laughs> yeah. Just jumping around yeah. with the years of my brain together. It's and like, it's been a blast. <laughs> totally. I've been having a great time. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I always like to ask, and this is like a stupid question. I mean, part of the thing is I don't want it to be like, um, or I'm just asking you all the questions. Mm-hmm. So if you want to ask me any questions. Why the beard? You're welcome to. Um, <laughs> why? Do you not like it? No, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm wondering why you look, you have this like Agamemnon kind of look going on Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, laziness mostly. Yeah. Well, it looks powerful. I just don't know exactly what you're going for. Yeah. This is the petty bitch in me being like fashion wise. Being like, okay, well, what are you putting out? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not prepared to answer that question (laughs) at all. Is it just specifically like being like, I just... I'm on vacation. <laughs> I like to grow it. Out. It's a pain in the ass to shave. Uh-huh. Like, so what happens if I shave is yeah. that I have to do it every day. Oh, baby, I do too. I know. I mean, it's like... And I, I, it's, it's just laziness. That's no, it. No, it's okay. That's pretty much it. Because, like... Mm. And also, like, one of my partners really likes it. And I don't really care to, about growing it out. Like, I just like it, yeah. too. So No, I don't want that to be a critique on, on you. I feel defensive now. No, don't. I'm like... Um, no, I'm just... I I love being a petty bitch whenever I can be. <laughs> for fun. Okay. But, like... <laughs> no, I'm not saying that your beard is bad at all. I just want to cover it up no, now. Oh, no. Don't do that. Okay. I think it's great. I... And, you know, and I... I celebrate your choices no matter what. <laughs> that sounds That's awful. No, I mean like I uh no, I like You just make me feel like I look like a complete <laughs> bum right now. 
<laughs> no, I said you look like Agamemnon. I said no, it's, but I then said it's when powerful. you say like, no matter what you do, I love you. It's like you're talking to me like I'm an institution or something. No, else. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. You know, like I know. God damn it. <laughs> um. Okay. No. Let me. Okay. <laughs> it's a. I. Do you want my honest perspective right now? Can yeah. Go. Yeah. I think you're beautiful, Phil. Oh. You're very, very lovely. <laughs> and you are very attractive. Mm. However. Thank you. But you, you want to. Maybe groom your beard <laughs> a little bit here and there to clean it up. Just a little bit. Like uh, on the cheeks? On the neck? Yeah, I think just on the cheeks. Cheeks I think is just bad. to give a de- definition. Cheeks, I get I big time like gorilla hair up on my face for sure. You know, I do too. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It's mm. like, like I think that like your beard is really lovely. Mm. I think that it just it just could use some shaping, oh. mostly just because your hair is like kind of coarse and a little bit wiry here and there. Like yeah. I have a sam- a similar thing where my hair gets like so my beard hair is like super wiry. And, okay. Like, my dad's like my dad has like we have the same hair, so it just grows out straight and like just like stiff. Yeah. But it's also thin. Mm. So it's like. There's very little strength to it, but it's like, no, fuck you. Like, and so it has that feeling to it. So it takes a lot of work for me to like really keep any of it in order. Mm. And I have to just like, I just end up shaving my face all the time anyway. Cause mm-hmm. I don't really love my facial hair. Like mm-hmm. I used to grab my chops really big. I just don't care. Right. But like, yeah, it's like, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of work to maintain hair and everything else. Yeah. So like, no, I'm not telling you that like any of it looks bad. I'm just saying that like, I think I've been noticing the, definition. Che- the cheeks I've been noticing for sure. Yeah. So I think if you clean it like right here, right here, I know I've like eye hair here. It'd be good. I know I have this connection. <laughs> I, I think I have a trail all the way from like my nose <laughs> down. And then my, you, my beard connects via my, a little bit of neck hair. Mm-hmm. And then to my chest hair, which reaches up. My father has like, he wears <laughs> golf shirts just cause he's like a bougie yeah. um, lobbyist, but his <laughs> golf shirts always like have hair cur- curling out of the top. Yeah. And so I have that and it connects all the way down to my little pubic area and then I've and so also got have a rug. there. Yeah, it all runs the whole way. I'm like Austin Powers, but better. Yeah, I've watched that movie recently. Yeah. That movie is awful and it sucks. <laughs> it is not aged well in any no. any There was a joke like my season that one. <laughs> yeah. There was a joke in Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Cause I don't know why I put myself under this duress. Like maybe it's just because I'm like trying to like understand what I liked as a child, as opposed to now <laughs> what I found funny, but there's a joke where like Frau Brissena like states that she's a lesbian and it, that's it. And it's supposed to be funny. That's the joke. Yeah. And then like, but then they, but all it is is a setup for a joke later on. Like, and it's the most pithy fucking stupid joke, mm. which shows how petty that humor mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like literally like an hour into the movie that you're like, oh, so that was it. Like that, 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 that like really like stupid joke about sexuality was like just a setup for this awful joke that came later on. That was worse than the first. What was the secondary <laughs> joke? Uh, Do you remember? I can't even, you know, honestly, like it was that forgettable. Yeah, yeah. But like those were the only two times that it was mentioned. And then I was like, wow, 
Mike Myers is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And we all knew it was coming because we saw The Love Guru. (laughs) The Love Guru. Another movie? You never saw that? No. That was the one where he pretends to be a, like, uh, an Eastern, uh, like, an Indian. Oh, no. uh, Yeah, he, he, like, straight up just, like, pretends to be, like, an an Indian guru. (laughs) When did that come out? (laughs) It's not even worth noting. If you haven't seen it, I'm sparing you any details because it should be forgotten. So it is bad. Mike Myers, Mike Myers's Mein Kampf. <laughs> I actually, Into his shitty humor. Oh, don't this talk about Austin Powers. struggle. Austin says, Power. <laughs> says Mike Myers. You leave Austin Powers alone. The Canadian piece of shit. <laughs> Austin Powers is very important to me. Growing up as well. No. I don't know why you're dragging our hero through the dirt like this. He's Canadian. <laughs> and he what? sucks. What kind of nationalist are you? What are you talking about? You know what? <laughs> Can- you going to talk shit on Canadian? <laughs> I was about to. <laughs> Come on. Canada is just America light. U.S. light. They do pretty good with the poutine, like as far as kind of like a fatty. They've been doing the same thing to indigenous people over there that they are here. Like their prime minister sucks. Mm. Just, just is the worst. Mm-hmm. So we're just like Canada's just as good as America. At that. Well, it's so just colonized what's, what are you state in the about? same way that we are. Yeah, they just happen to be a little bit more polite. Yeah. <laughs> Can't I don't know. Canada looks like not a bad option any, <laughs> anymore. Actually, how are how's Canada's COVID numbers? Not you know? nearly as bad as we are. No, definitely. They have not. a lot of uninhabited land. To be fair, that's true. Lower pop, but they also their prime minister is neoliberal, so he took it a little bit more seriously than our Trudeau, just outright fascist dictator. Oh, you don't think Trump's a neoliberal? No. He's not a neoliberal. Yeah. He's just a straight up fascist. Mm. Absolutely. He's he's the worst. I think you're right. Um but that's not to just point the finger only at him. We have Mitch McConnell. M- we ha- Mitch McConnell. He he is the face of a very corrupt body. And that's it. But we should not forget, you know, uh who is who is the speaker of the Republican House or whatever, like Mitt Ryan Paul. Something. Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. Yeah. Paul Ryan. Mitch McConnell. Paul Ryan Ted is pretty Cruz. special. Yeah. Yeah. They're all they're all shitheads. Mm-hmm. They're all the worst. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I but, was I was paying attention a lot during that pers- uh, during that whole um, kind of interim state and everything else, like back in like 2016 and stuff. And they mm. none of them ever got any better. Like they they they're they're all they all abided. In what Donald Trump was saying, and it's because Donald Trump is essentially just the face of the system that they work in. That's the thing. We are. We both know this. We should talk about it. Okay. One time, uh, I got in big trouble with uh, my aunt. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> she. How did that start? Oh. So something that happens that I do at uh-huh. family dinners 
when I get bored mm-hmm. is I'll like throw a grenade into the conversation, mm-hmm. like a political grenade or whatever. Yeah. And so, especially when I'm annoyed and bored. And so all my like liberal relatives were talking about how shitty Trump was. <laughs> and I was really tired of it because they like just kept doing it. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I think Trump is actually not that different from most of our other presidents, really. No. If you look back at America, our the founding fathers, many of them were slave owners. Yeah. Right? And since the first one. Yeah. Since the first one. Um so I said this and ended up just like saying that my aunt held like subtly white supremacist views because she was saying like what she said was because I said do you really want to stand by these guys even if one of them is a slave owner like do we want to say that like what they did was totally good and she's like well Phil who else was going to do it like they were the educated people at the time and that sounded very white supremacist to me because it's like, well, only the white guys would have been able to like form this sort of democratic government or whatever. Yeah. And I forget why I started talking about that. It is funny though to like run into that in your own family and also to see how liberals, again, middle of the road liberals end up like not even seeing like... Right, because people just get attached to Trump being so shitty. And then it's like, well, yes, but. Yeah. I don't know what my point was. No, I hear what you're saying for sure. It's getting late as well. We're also getting drunk. (laughs) And drunk, yeah. Yeah, I feel like at this point we should probably even just cut it off and then just continue on in a bonus episode. Like if anyone wanted to actually listen to us just being drunk and ranting. (laughs) That they'd be like they'd know what they were getting That's into because I feel like we've just we've, we've pushed this as far as we can, <laughs> and at this point we're after hours <laughs> and we're just gonna be more spicy and ridiculous, and I feel like all reason has left the room yeah, and yeah. all that's like standing is our, our leftist politics mm. and our. Um, I just wanted to talk about that. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only point of that was just to talk more it's about. Just left- fuck you, Grandma. <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We've we've become a little less uh, put together, (laughs) filtered (laughs) throughout this conversation. Okay, well, before we turn it off, like as long as we're at this point, yeah. Is there anything that we haven't said that you want the non-bonus people to hear? I, yeah, leftist. I would like to leave a statement, just being that. And I've already stated this before, but I cannot express this enough. Please, please, please know that you are valuable. Know that you as a worker have inherent value as a human, first and foremost. That we are not against you. I am not against you. And that you should not feel threatened that you are welcome to grieve all of your bad decisions and to grow past them, that you are welcome to become part of the human race and to understand 
that what is there is larger than just you. And it's okay having been confused and thinking that it was just your struggle. But you're welcome to take part of the human struggle with all of us together and to fight for a better future for those of us who come tomorrow and to fight for a better future for us today. Love you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Ash. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Filthy Talk. Uh, to play you out, I'm going to give a fool's song named... Uh, this one's called Freudian Slurs. And it's also really good. It's off of their um, EP from last year called About Face, which is on Spotify and other platforms, Bandcamp, um, etc. Give it a search. Their band name is F-U-L-L-S. Um, thanks again to Ash for talking to me. Um, tune in. I'm going to be, I guess, probably if you've made it through this whole thing, this won't matter to you. But I am going to start doing a shortened version, like an abridged version of some episodes, including this one. So um, I guess in the next couple days, I'll want to try to put that out. Um, it will involve a little more work for me. So um We'll see. I think it'll be valuable, though. Um, some people don't have the capacity or interest or whatever to tune in to um, yours truly talking for like an hour or two or three. Um, well, yeah, more like two or three. That gets a little long for some. Um, so do, do, do check out waste-division.org if you like what you heard. You can find a lot more of our stuff there, um, non-podcast stuff, as well as um, links to other podcasts. So thank you. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. Okay, bye-bye.
Thanks for tuning into this production of Waste Division and Waste Radio. For more information, visit waste-division.org, where you can find more art, poetry, photography, music reviews, essays, and other stuff. Bye-bye. So it's it's late night. Are we declaring this to be a bonus episode? I think it might be fun to do it as like a hidden track on it, kind of. Okay. You know what I mean? Welcome to the hidden track. Welcome to the hidden track. This is late night with Ash and Phil. Hi. We started talking about some metaphysical shit, so. That's true. We got real deep. It's getting real. <sighs> but what do we talk about now? I don't know. Everyone else missed that. <laughs> yeah, I know. We had the best shit. <laughs> then we go on to Amazon. Welcome to Late Night, where we talk about sh- like just regular, shallow, shitty things. <laughs> you missed the important stuff. <laughs> Welcome to the conversation late in the game. You, you would have known if you had been here earlier. <laughs> but you like to arrive fashionably late, so fuck you. Right. Fuck you. <laughs> you missed out. Um... Do you want to try to grab any of that? I have some more thoughts about what we were talking about. Well, why don't you continue with your thoughts on it? Yeah. Can I try? Yeah. So let's see. Mm. How do we recapture what we were just talking about is a question. It's hard. I mean, I think that some of those things are just spoken in the moment as what well, we were talking about spirituality. And like, I think that if we just continue on that vein, we'll end up running into things just because yeah. I, I'm never short on on spirituality. Well, let me set this up to get us going. Maybe. Um, cause I had said some shit about like how I kind of drop into meditation spaces and States, I think, but they're not like in a formal sense. And you were talking about how here's something that you said that was really crazy was how imperialism took white people first. Yeah. Which is mind-bending to me, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Where it originated. Like, the virus starts from somewhere. Like, if we're looking at COVID, like, you know, we take that it probably originated in Wuhan. Started at a wet market with something that happened that was never meant to be bad, but just started. Mm -hmm. You know, someone probably eating something that shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. And they didn't mean for it to be that way. And it spread across across the world. Like, I mean, in the same way, I think imperialism had to start with something. Mm. You know, I typically look at a lot of different places, but like, I think in one way it started a lot with even just in like Anglo culture with the Vikings coming down. I remember watching a Mm. documentary on how um, the Britons the original indigenous Britons who were there actually were Christian and peaceful. Mm, mm. Um, you know, I don't 
I can't verify like the actual like history of it because I'm not a historian or anything. But the the way that I'd heard it was that uh, the the Britons had their call their their kingdoms. Yeah. Um, they were largely peaceful, largely spiritual, largely um, unoffending, and that they had worked out to have their own peaceful kingdoms, mm. and that um, it was to the you know, the Scandinavian cultures, the Vikings and everything else, like where they came down with the intent of domination that was part of their religion, mm. which is part of why Odinism, I think, is so attractive to white supremacists. Mm. Um, you know, they came down and they went across the sea and they came upon these isles. And when they first encountered, I remember hearing something to the gr- degree that they were impressed with how easy it was to steal, to mm. kill and to rape. Nice. Um, and that they did what a cool that. thing. Yeah, you know, <laughs> freebies. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Uh, but like that—that—that that, that was what happened. And so they—they they came down and they—they they raped, pillaged, destroyed, infected mm. the British Isles. Mm. Everyone that is there now is generally of Scandinavian descent or, or European mm. descent of across the sea. And the in, uh, indigenous Britons that are there are just a minute population as far as the blood quantum of who's there. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were killed. They were destroyed. Right. They were, they were eradicated. Mm-hmm. And they were peaceful people. Mm. And they were very spiritual and, and loving people as far as I know. I don't so we're think, talking about Celtic shit and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Getting into things like that and whatever. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I don't know a lot about European history, but from what my understanding was and, and the things and biographies and uh, documentaries that I'd watched, that was what I had come to glean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this has to come from somewhere. They didn't just come over the seas where they were just like, yeah, let's fucking, you know, maim this fucking land right. and, and whatever. It cooked up. No, I think that they came over with an ideology and an understanding that was always going to lean that direction. It came over weak, and that weakness spread in a monstrous in a, in a monstrous way. Um, oh, you think it came over weak? I think it came over. Yeah, like I mean, the the pilgrims and whatever that yeah. came over, like they came over with the ideal ideology of Christianity and the way that it was. But that when that ideology is among enough people it's monstrously weak to others it's an illness mm-hmm. it's disgusting oh. and it comes to infect and to enslave and hurt mm-hmm. and that's what it did right i saw it amongst my own people i saw it uh you know it's it's just it's what it is and, and the infighting and all of the structural mentalities and mm-hmm. imperialism that's happened over in in europe it it all has been there for so long like i mean we we read it in world history about like how much they warred with each other over land over mm-hmm. women over whatever um in these deeply deeply uh monstrously toxic and masculine way yeah uh, and that's that's what it was. They took it as you know, strength being the means, mm. and they did it. And you know, the only thing that changed was that they realized that like it didn't have there was no there was nowhere else to conquer in terms of like acquiring land or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, the U.S. government has 
definitely prove that we can still do that in our own insidious ways mm. through setting up puppet governments and whatever mm-hmm. else. But, you know, the, the means have changed and they've had to adapt to the times. I'm interested in how you talk about it as a weak thing. Oh, I think it's inherently weak. I know. I want you to say more about why. Because, like... It's deficiency. Mm-hmm. But it's it's funny because you also use the word strength somewhere. Because to rely only on strength is to be deficient as a human. So, but you're using the terms a little confusingly, right? Like, weakness and strength are usually used like... No, I'm in using Canada. those in, in ways in which that is not understood by white society. Right. It's, I, I'm just trying to draw that out. Yeah, no, yeah, and I, yeah. I'm going to express that to the viewers is that yeah. your idea of strength of what you probably know right. is not real. It's weakness. It's weakness. Mm-hmm. To be solely reliant on one aspect of your personality or your humanity mm-hmm. is to be robbed of the wholeness of your humanity. Mm. You are more than the sum of your parts and you don't know... You don't know half of who you probably are mm-hmm. because you've never been allowed to explore it. And half the power. And yeah. All of it. Yeah. The compassion, the right. loving nature, your understanding, the things that have been condemned as feminine, mm. the things that have been condemned as gay, weak, weak, mm-hmm. whatever, are part of what makes you weak because they make you inherently un- un- inhuman mm. because you've never been allowed to explore that. Mm-hmm. You don't know your strength as far as your emotional capability, as far as your intellect, mm-hmm. as far as your spirituality, right. which were all things that were meant to be eradicated to keep you in the system, to understand only that you were strong to be part of contributing to the system. Mm-hmm your physical strength is meant to build. Right. And if you're not building, you're nothing. Right. If you're not stealing, you're nothing. If you're not acquiring, you're nothing. You know? Totally. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's completely inhuman. Hmm. But... You know, I don't, I don't claim to, to be like the expert on any of these things. This is my own perspective. So, I mean, like I have to give that as a disclaimer. Like I, Mm -hmm. I, I firmly believe everything that I'm saying. Right. But I don't, I don't mean to impress that upon anyone Mm. because firstly, if I did, I wouldn't be following the, you know what I'm saying? That would be hypocritical of me because I respect everyone's autonomy, Mm -hmm. generally speaking. It strikes me that part of the problem with that is like most people are used to just having things shoved on them. And like because of how we consume information and media, like there's kind of a critical aspect that's missing to where like the reason I point this out is because I'm I'm kind of annoyed that you have to make that kind of disclaimer. But I understand why you do because you're not trying to push things on stuff on people. But like in an ideal culture like if we were trained to have autonomy i don't think you'd have to make that kind of disclaimer either people would just know like oh i can either take these ideas or leave them or right there's this thing that if something falls outside your purview anymore Mm -hmm. then you should be pissed about it 
if you haven't thought about it before, then you should be pissed. Like somebody's got trying to one up you. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's where that. I think that people are smarter than they give themselves credit for. Right. I think that the general population, when it's allowed to use its understanding, is so smart. And I actually think that a lot of the people that I've encountered, like, I mean, I've lived in Great Falls. I've lived in other places that Mm -hmm. were, like, very, like, you know, what we we would consider in the leftist community to be, like, the enemy or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't don't particularly feel that way all the time, but, like, uh, you know. But I think that, like, so many of those people are so misguided because of their lack of education. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I like I love Jane Elliott. Like, I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but, like, um, the... the I'm not. Uh, you know, back in the 1960s, like, or 1970s, I can't remember exactly when, but she, like, she did this blue-eyed, brown-eyed experiment with children. And she was doing that about, uh, with, to, to, uh to expand upon the systematic abuse in, in, in racism. Mm. And she, it's, it's on YouTube. You can look it up, just, you know, Jane Elliott. And, and you'll find those videos where she like places these kids in these, in these opposing directions. And then she pushes, pushes them like to say like, okay, like, you know, all the blue eyed kids come over here. All the brown eyed right. kids go over there. I and remember she that. Does these things. And then at the very end, like some of them are feeling really bad and all their classmates have to see it up close. Mm. And then she has to expand on that. And she says like, what makes you think that's right? And she's not really soft with it. She, she, Mm. she does that in the point of ensuring that they get the understanding that racism is fucked Mm -hmm. and that it's an abuse to them. And it's an abuse to those that they're abusing. Mm. And she, she's always been an advocate for that. Mm but that people are smart and that people can see, but that they're mm-hmm. not offered the education. Mm-hmm. They're not offered those things because the system has de- deprived them of that. And it's unfair. Like mm-hmm. in the same sense, like the, like the racists that I, that I so vehemently am angry towards, I do have a certain level of understanding and knowing that they were deprived of something still. I, I, you know, I don't see them specifically always as my enemy. Like I do in a lot of senses, especially when they're committing acts of violence towards me or my friends or towards my community. Like they, they can't help but be my enemy when they're committing acts of violence. They are my enemy and you know, punch a Nazi if you see him, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But like, but when it is someone who just does not understand and they're just only working along the system that they've been given, I feel a lot of sadness in knowing that they have been so deprived of their humanity Mm. to only be a defense of Mm -hmm. the system that they're fighting Mm. for. You know, like even the South, like in some senses, like has, was so ingrained in that kind of ideology because the people that were in power from the South vehemently believed in that. Right, but you had, like, fucking poor whites fighting to keep slaves. Yeah. And it's like, no. why? <laughs> right? Yeah, they didn't have slaves. They like, didn't ca- like it didn't make a difference. But the thing but was is that... they were convinced that it mattered to their fucking reality, right? Well, after the Civil War, the U.S. Um, specifically crippled the South economically. 
even and to be clear like i i do believe that the that the that the civil war was not specifically about slavery it wasn't about the emancipation of blacks it wasn't about uh it wasn't about the uh the, the fight for racism or whatever else like what most was of the it people, about ash it was about economy ah. it was about the thought that the that the u.s was not powerful enough to be its nation to be divided that at that point yeah but that the South was increasingly politically indifferent towards the North and that there wasn't enough unity between all the colonies. We had to keep this business going, man. So they tried to cripple the South by crippling their industry, Mm -hmm. which was slavery. Mm. Slave-induced economy through cotton. Free labor. Tobacco. Yeah. Whatever. And so they tried to free the slaves in order to cripple the South to be reliant on the Northerners. It didn't have to do anything with... With freeing people. With freeing anyone. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln murdered so many of my people during the Civil yeah, War. Yep. He didn't give a shit about black people. So he didn't really give a shit about indigenous people. Like, he was deified in order to, to, to sanitize history. Right. That's it. But, but when he's, it, he's claimed as like the per, the guy that freed the slaves. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's but, the that's the whitewashing. Yes. But when it comes down to it, it was really just to make sure that the U.S. was able to hold enough world state power and to be together in uh, it. And they deprived. It was always classist. It was always racist but they tried to maintain their power as far as economy. Like that's really, really fucked up when you think about it. And they crippled the South. It's the same thing with the COVID today. (laughs) But they crippled the South and they did that to make them reliant upon the North, but they didn't care about their social structures. They wanted to bend the knee. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And they did bend the knee but they didn't give up their spirit because the North, you know, economy doesn't care about what you think or what you feel. They just want to make sure you fall in line. And that was the whole point was that it just, it's economic fascism as it's worse. It's imperialism. It's whatever it's acquisition. It's greed. And when it came down to it, that's what it, it had accomplished, what it wanted, but it just wanted to maintain order to make sure that they were going to grow. Mm. And, you know, otherwise, you know, we would have had so much more uh, rights given to black people immediately. We would have had, we wouldn't have had this like fidgeting back and forth and whatever. The, how, long you it, know, how long it took to get voting rights? Yeah, to think about the, to the people basic who were citizen? for emancipation, to think about the people who were for, uh, you know, uh, for black people or, or that were, we've deified like in, in a lot of like, just read Angela Davis. Read Angela Davis's. Uh, women, race, and class and read back on the history. A lot of the people that you probably admire or have been taught were for black people or were for progressive tactics were still very, very racist and have a deeply problematic view in how they approached where they were going. I was shocked when I read a lot of those things. I was shocked and horrified. I haven't read that. It's it's very good to read, mm-hmm. um, and it's a and it's a it's a it's it's all real. It's all history. So it's the same case as with Lincoln, where they're proclaimed to be like freedom fighters, but they were actually just like 
trying yeah. to prop up the the empire. Yeah. Yeah. They were fighting for the good of the empire. They weren't fighting for the good of the people. Right. They didn't give a shit about black people. He didn't care. Right. No, or clearly, I mean, somebody somebody recently was telling me about how there is evidence of um, metalworking among indigenous people. Do you know about this? I don't know about that. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. So apparently um, some artifacts suggest that, like, definitely um, indigenous folks were forming things out of metals that they found in the earth. Probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're smart enough, like, and, like have the shit. Well, everyone's smart. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not what I meant to say. I knew it right when yeah, I yeah. came out. They have attachment to stuff to be observant and notice, like, uh-huh. and develop those sorts of sciences. But it's funny because we always think of, like, Stone Age type th- bullshit with indigenous folks is, I think, the yeah. prejudice essentially there. Well, think about it this way: when they, when, when the conquistadors came to Tenochtitlan, like in in Mexico City mm-hmm. or what we call Mexico City today, the only reason that they actually lost was because their government was going uh, through its own economic and and political um, struggles. Yeah. That's the only reason they lost. They were actually at an advantage. Hmm. And that the conquistadors should have never won that battle. Hmm. But the biggest part about it was that those people who were in charge in Tignatishan were not accounting for the disease. They weren't paying attention to the needs of the people. They no, no, no. They didn't understand that the conquistadors when they came over were dirty, disgusting. And diseased. grizzled and yeah. diseased. They came over and they eradicated their numbers because they caught sickness from dealing with those people coming mm. back. So think of it as a, a, a really strong government that was laid waste by COVID. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't fight it because all of their warriors all of a sudden got sick. Mm. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is so much to indigenous history that has been completely eradicated from our history books as far as our understanding of infrastructure, politics, Mm. uh, design, science, spirituality that is just as advanced as any other place in society. Yep. But it's been demonized by European culture because buried. Yes. And buried. Uh, because it was not, it was not palatable, mm-hmm. and and it was, um, and it was, it was to the benefit of the European cultures moving in to demonize them that way, mm-hmm. to 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 continue to give an excuse as to dominate. Right. Well, and we see that with like drugs. Like there, there's there's there's. Uh, there, there are socialist. Um, there's an idea that socialism predates Marx mm-hmm. um, in in uh, in indigenous uh, society down in in like around like the Mexico area and everywhere, mm. um, like a large scale type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that it was already in place, mm. but had been eradicated. Mm-hmm. But that we all of a sudden deal with the fact that we think that Marx originated it. Right. But it predates Marx. Yeah, yeah. And that socialist understanding actually originated with indigenous people. Yeah, I mean, that seems like... It's funny. What I was about to say is, like, if you look at a lot of this stuff from the Western framework, it's like, oh, what a surprise. 
But then if you look at it like from a realistic framework, it's like, no duh. Like, of course, like uh, indigenous people predated Marx with socialist stuff. Like, Absolutely. Of course, um, something that's funny to me, like, uh, well, we've used drugs as a way to criminalize people and to put them away in, like, if we weren't able to terminate them in the, like, initial stages, like, yeah. you put them in prisons. Um, and a lot of those drugs, like, now we're finding in our, like, fancy fucking, like, modern white science is finding, like, are really useful for treating trauma, for example. Right, like mm -hmm. using mushrooms for that, which is yeah. like an ancient medicine. And we're like, wow, what a discovery. Yeah. Like we're discovering this un this like untapped powerful thing. It's like, no, like people just like with socialism or cooperation is something that we could also call it. Like people have been using this for a long time and it's actually what was most effective before we came up with all this bullshit yeah. to make it seem like everything else or everything but that was better. Yeah. Right. Now, my perspective is that we have consistently sacrificed our humanity for industry. Mm -hmm. Me too. And for the humanity of a certain few. For some to live above and for everyone to live below. That. But not always. Not always. Continue. You said we have always put industry over humans this system has i'm yes. drunk so yeah, i know maybe, maybe i'm making that up <laughs> i don't know if i said that or not <laughs> i'm just interested because of like we use these generalizations yeah, but there's yeah, actually yeah. cracks no please please call me on anything like that like, yeah I'm not, I'm well not i don't know it's like to anything like that i would rather not think that like patriarchal capitalism has always existed yeah in terms of like recorded history I think it has because right. Yeah, like, well, we, we have white recorded history. We don't have anything else. Uh-huh. Because I mean, there's like something about symbolic language that happened and like a lack of or like oral culture. And well, I mean, it's funny cause we try to refer to things, but all we have is a record. And in this culture, all our record is just written or whatever. Well, and even, it's still faulty, but yeah, but like even think about how, like how like the disrespect that's even paid towards like Asian American countries right now. Mm. Right? And then like the the advancements in technology and science and and spirituality that they've had in the East and how much we've had like a callback to that, but yet somehow we still have racism directed towards them as though they were lesser than European society. As though they're lesser than 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 US culture. Mm. How and why? Mhm. Mm that's 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 a total hypocrisy and a and a and a, and a deep uh, double think on pretty mm -hmm. much everything is to think that somehow just because my skin color or just because of the where that I, the place that I grew up somehow precluded me to have a higher understanding than mm -hmm. someone across the world that as though they weren't privy to the same kind of scientific or technological advancements or spiritual mm -hmm. understandings right when we all came from a similar place, we mm -hmm. all originated somewhere around in Africa, mm -hmm. you know, like that's, that's to say that the human race all still comes from the same strain, but somehow that makes some of us less. Right. Like what the hell does that come from? Like, like Christianity has been the worst or I would, I will say that European Imperial uh, Christianity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> European, uh, 
European imperialist Christianity has used it as a vehicle mm-hmm. to basically justify the means, like manifest destiny. Let's mm-hmm. look at that for a second. Right. They have a divine right to come and kill, pillage, and enslave mm-hmm. across the country because somehow God deemed it so. Right. Who said? Right. When? How? Who is the person that was in communication with God? Sounds and get like him on a the pretty telephone? convenient thing for a government who's trying to take over a continent. I, you know, I, as a as a pastor, I had a hard time even trying to believe that I was talking to God. But someone's going to tell me that they had a direct <laughs> communication with God to tell them that they were able to murder me. To murder 10 million or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. get them on the phone. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> let me hear. Let me let me see the bureaucratic uh, bureaucratical <laughs> standpoint on that. Where's the paper? Where's the affidavit? You know, like, come on. Um, somebody, a, a philosophy professor of mine up here, brought up a book one time. I think it's called Fields of Blood. Yeah, I don't remember the author, and I didn't read it. But the idea of it was that like Christianity isn't bad at its core. Uh-huh. It's that Christianity was used as an excuse to do operations of industry. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's what you're talking about. Christianity at its heart is a spirituality. It was even in its day was a considered it's, a cult. It's by non-industrial. Judaism. No. A cult. Yeah. yeah. It right. was a cult. It was like Jew, Jews still considered a cult. Right. <laughs> like that's, you're like, <laughs> that's great. That's weird. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, is that like Jesus in his, in and of his time, like is socialist at, at worst, <laughs> you know, maybe not even at worst. <laughs> I, at worst, he was like a, <laughs> I don't know, like some kind of anarchist. I'm saying at best he's an anarchist. Like, oh, you know, oh, I see. You know, like the thing is, is that like he is, you know, the 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 mythos of the Christ, right? Like, comes in to upheave your understanding of the system in all ways. Mm. The Christ is unsatisfying pretty much to everyone, mm-hmm. and the reason why is because we've lost sight of our humanity. Mm. Because we all want something from now when we've lost sight of what we were before. Mm. I'm drunk. I know it's <laughs> it's hard to, you Sorry, always I'm you drunk. always like do a heavy line <laughs> and then you like take a drag of a cigarette or take a drink <laughs> and I don't it's like, oh no, it's my time to talk now. And then I'd have to like think. <laughs> I apologize. No, it's not worth apologizing for at all. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I can't. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> I just think. I think you're so right. I don't have anything to add at all. I just think when it comes down to it, that if you're going to be this way, if you're going to divorce yourself from your spirituality, if you're going to divorce yourself from your intellect, if you're going to divorce yourself from any aspect of your humanity, you are not going to be whole. Mm-hmm. You cannot be whole. Yes. So and you ge- will always treat everyone else less than that. Yes. Because you cannot treat yourself correctly. Right. I have a thought. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to what you were saying about 
how this stuff bears on all of us. Like, or or back to the idea of like imperialism starting with whiteness. It's like yeah. Part of the rules of this game that all of us are in now because of imperialism is that you divorce your spirituality and that like you're going to have to pay for that sometime for like losing track of that wholeness. Yes. That Jesus represented, right? Like I think that's part of what you're saying is like Jesus doesn't rep like fit into a dogma. And yeah. that's why like Christianity doesn't really fit into like imperialism. And why it doesn't make sense for Christians well, let's, to let's be, be specific, like like true Christian spirituality, not the religion that we're all associated with. Evangelicalism is a death cult, as we know Christianity but that's not today. Tr- is that true Christianity today? No. Okay. No, I'm saying the Christianity as we know it today is a death cult. Right. The Christianity of Bronze Age. Years and years and years and years ago, before mm. fucking Constantine decided to take that over in like the Byzantine era, mm. <clears throat> you know, like, no, like that's not how it was. Mm. But that's way before any of us could really place a finger on it. But continue. Sorry, I don't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were saying like you know like that that God or, or I that, don't know if- uh, that that Christ does not fit into that to that uh, paradigm of of yeah anyone's perspective. Right. Something. Uh, it's a line from a Run the Jewels song. Something about like um, remember that like their hero was killed by the state. Hold on, pause that thought. Yep. I need to pee. Pee, <laughs> pee break. This is gonna be a cool fucking podcast. There's so many pee breaks. <laughs> I know what I want to start with. I think yeah. I forgot where we were. Well, you were the, saying you were saying oh, about like the, the like run the jewels thing about like <sighs> oh. Oh no! Yeah, I forgot it. Forgot what I was talking about. We can listen back, but it's probably not worth it. No, it's good. It's <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> uh, but then I just forgot my next thought. Oh, it was about animism. So, like uh, the idea that everything is alive. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like something that's like really foreign to Western thought. Yeah, it's foreign to me in some senses. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but Even though I propone that kind of thought. Yeah, we were just talking about the blood crying out and the stones crying out. Yeah. Um, it's funny because it's like something that has taken like Western thought like a lot of time and effort to get to. Like as usual with like a lot of these scientific quote unquote discoveries um, is like, hey... Like, well, so we've only reached it in, like, really kind of weird philosophy of science where we start talking about, like, where did consciousness come from? Yeah. It's like, well, if we have consciousness in our form today, then you can trace it back, like, and it's kind of funny because you have, like, a hierarchical arrangement, but, like, trace it back, it happened in apes, then it happened in other animals, and then it happened in plants, and it happened in amoeba. Yeah. And it happened in bacteria 
and just like working back smaller and smaller and like back in the evolutionary scale. Yeah. Eventually you reach a point where it's like, okay, did consciousness just come out of nowhere or was it like latent in rocks? Was it rate like latent in minerals and stardust? Like it had to start somewhere. So like part of the thing is like, you think that like, if you take it from an egoistic like perspective, yeah. Yeah. But like, if you were to look at, okay, like, so like my perspective, like was really shaped in a moment where I was listening to this. So like, I don't know if you've listened to on being with Krista Tibbet. A bit. Yeah. She had someone who was from, uh, he was a Kabbalistic teacher. Um, so, you know, Kabbalah being Jewish mysticism, like uh-huh. he was talking about the idea of like, uh, Einsif or like, you know, the is, Um, you know, what is, Uh and that being what God is and that God is like, you know, like that concept of the, you know, the verbiage of just is, and also that being encaptured in, in the Torah as being, you know, like God stating to, uh, to Moses, I am that I am, I am, I exist. I am, I am, I am, I am. I have been. Yeah. Is, you know, and that like, you know, Mm. he was stating that like in the sense of like the idea of the higher understanding of like what can be, he was saying that there's, there is a perspective that like, if we place in like the, in the Christian perspective, like, you know, we have this understanding that like, you know, like if we were, he put it in this perspective of like, you know, imagine two circles, one small circle, underneath a larger big circle you know he says you're going to inherently put the smaller circle usually underneath or outside the larger circle and he says that what kabbalah and and what judaism does in a lot of senses is to take that small circle and remove it from the outside but to place it inside the larger circle yeah I was going to say that makes the most sense to me is to put the little one in the bigger one. But yeah. And, and, yeah. but, it, and it does. And, and to say that everything that is has to be part of what is, if we're going to have something, be part of something, it has to be there mm-hmm. already. It's devout, de- devoid of, of the, of the larger perspective. So if we're claiming that like, you know, God made us or whatever else, like whatever thing is there, like we have to say that we are part of what already is. Hmm. And if we are a part of the universe, we are in that circle. So if we're looking at consciousness to say that consciousness originated in just like one specific thing or whatever is, it's kind of like not really a point to me Mm. because consciousness has been around forever. As long as we could say anything about anything. Yes. Yeah. Because that's part of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm my my original point was like it's taken so long for like science and thought in Western shit to reach that point. Yeah. When it's like already apart. I'll 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 note there in Western shit. Yes, that's my thing. That's the whole thing. So we needed this whole back structuring and all this science and this whole fucking academic like industry essentially to prop up and like reach this quote discovery that like everything is not fucking dead. 
that like stuff that you interact with is not just like a uh, object, mm-hmm. right? That like you can just toss around and like doesn't affect you or anything. Yeah. Like it's a, and what's funny, I'm just like driving at this point that like from a certain perspective, the things are really natural to think about in this way. Like mm-hmm. if you're not tripped up about like Christian dogma and ideology, mm-hmm. then it's pretty natural to be like, Oh, when I put my hand on this couch, it responds in a way it like makes an indent yeah. and makes a shape of my hand. And like in a sense, it's alive. Like it, it's part of this like whole moving, breathing, living thing that you're a part of. But we have such an emphasis on like individualism and like mechanistic nature. Yeah. That like a tree even, or I mean, look at the fucking dumbass philosophers who were early and were like breakthroughs in Western philosophy, mm-hmm. like Descartes thought that animals were just like machines essentially. Yeah. Which is like, clearly not the case yeah but like he's like well based on how the factories work like yeah a cat seems to be kind of like a sewing machine like an automated sewing machine and it's like yeah what the fuck kind of framework are you working like well, that's your understanding and it makes sense because if you look at it that's the basis of the understanding that's the power of the time but yeah well it's not to say that any of those like philosophers or anyone who had good thoughts that came before us like are just inherently stupid like that's the point of philosophy is mm. that like we still work on we still work off of the framework of understanding that we still have to learn the basics of like those who came before us you know, like if we're right. going to examine like any, like even Greek philosophers that came way beforehand, like we'd call a lot of their stuff like stupid, you sure, know, or we'd be tempted to, but well, it's but it's not, you know, and like that's no, the thing well, is, and like, I say this as a philosophy major, yeah, yeah I study yeah. in fl- in school, yeah, so, yeah. Like, so I you take know, seriously you, what so you're you understand about. like the like the the building blocks yeah. of understanding, but we under but the 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 fault here is building cult of celebrity around what someone says to think that we have to deify the entire lexicon or, or speech of everything that one person says that we hold what they have to say as to be canon Mm -hmm. or that we have to adhere to their one mode of thought that we have to like somehow take in everything that they say in a lot of ways or that like somehow like it becomes this whole thing. Like we, we take too seriously everything that one, everyone, everyone says like people are allowed to be wrong. Like Descartes can be a dumbass like on some things, but be really smart on other things because he didn't have enough experience or facts to, to be able to understand it. Like yeah. scientific progress has not stopped with Descartes, you know, like, right. and that's the thing is like, yeah, he had a lot of really great thoughts, but to say that like, you know, somehow like some of his thoughts were like more important and like somehow still stand higher than others that we have today is like ridiculous, mm. you know? And that's, hmm. that's the problem there is that like, we hold too highly like what European philosophers have thought. Right. And we don't have enough of the understanding of like indigenous House. spiritual thinkers mm. or, you know, any other thinkers Non-Western. from across the world, yeah. non-Western thinkers. Can you hold on? I want to make sure. Did my weed make it inside? <laughs> Check it. It did. It did. Clarifying 
for all listening. Just in case you're worried, it's a late night late night bonus hidden track. Yeah, this is this is messy. <laughs> Important. <laughs> <laughs> but like in context of animism and everything yeah. else, like that's that's the thing is like to me it's like okay if you if you focus on one method of thought and yes. you're focused on only philosophy and you ignore spirituality or physicality or anything else like you're going to have a lot of questions mm-hmm. because those things need to corroborate nice and like so you're going to consistently build off this perspective or this worldview where you are so focused on this one aspect of humanity mhm and you're not going to also be experiencing your own experiences. Mm-hmm. But like that's not to depreciate anything that those thinkers had said. Sure. It just only says that they were so specifically fine-tuned to what they were thinking about. It was they had one thought. It's like listening to your one high friend when he's like, mm-hmm. "Yo, have you ever thought about this?" Mm. Yo, like I'm oh And he's really dude. focused on it. Like, yeah. Have you ever just thought about like how you can hear your thoughts when no one's talking? Like, you know, like <laughs> they really get on it and you're like, "No, I haven't never thought about that." But like you're not you're bringing up something and you're they're just like focused on it for mm-hmm. a long time and they get it to this weird places. Yeah. It's like, "Yo, you're not wrong." Yeah. You're weird. <laughs> right. But like, You're fucking weird. <laughs> but, like, but it's not to say that like those haven't ever yielded any results from anything or, or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. you know, like these people that came before where they were thinking so hard about these aspects, like, and they were so fine tuned and obsessive about these aspects. Like they added to, they were a little on the today. spectrum. Maybe we could say uh, not in a bad way, but I hesitate there, but like, you know, but the thing is, is that like, <laughs> um, it's, I'm sorry. It's late. <laughs> One of my, I, I have a serious, <laughs> let me, can I stop? I want to explain. Okay. <laughs> Cause I feel like an asshole. <laughs> Sorry, I, Phil. For one I thing, didn't... I think I'm on the spectrum a bit, and I, I don't want to, whatever. So I don't know if that gives me grounds to be an asshole, but um, I'm interested in, like, in modern Western culture, there's a thing about autism mm-hmm. that I'm interested in. Yes. And I, and I don't want to make light of it. But I think, like, something... And I actually still have to do this research for myself. Yes. Um, one of my partners, like, did a good amount of research about, like, how autism is defined. Yes. And there's an aspect of it where it just says, like, you're weird. Like, you're not normal. And, like, for different reasons, like, yeah. you don't line up socially <laughs> with how we expect people to. Yeah. Like, we just kind of shove you into this category. Yeah. And that seems weird to me. So that's, like, a start. Yeah. But part of part of what happens with like autism is like a hyper focus on a thing. Mm. And like, there seems to be a resonance with modern culture and workers and specialization mm-hmm. that happens where people get so deep into an industry or so focused on a thing that then like they kind of are not really portable mm. into like social contexts. Um, like people who are really good at coding, mm. like hanging out in their room and yeah. doing just patterns of numbers uh-huh. are really bad at like social interactions. Yeah. And it's kind of fucked up actually for us to expect them to be good at both. Yes. So that's where I make that remark from. Okay. Can you keep going? Yeah, yeah. I just want to, I would no, I'll think probably that's a, cut no, that. No, that's a, that's a I'm good. I'm going to get it. No, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, we're... 
Phil. It's a it's a hidden. We're we're out here, and you did clarify that. And like, is that is that less of an asshole clarification? No, I think that you were trying to specify that like the obsessiveness that philosophers had beforehand. Like we didn't have enough understanding that that's much more diplomatic. Might have been a little bit more obsessive on that, and Uh like autism has been around for a long time, and that we have not had an understanding that maybe some of them. Mm. And uh, although you made maybe perhaps a light joke of it, you didn't mean it to be perhaps a light joke, mm-hmm. but more of an understanding that like perhaps some of these people were really obsessive about that. And they're geniuses and I admire them and all yeah. the shit. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and especially with that, like with the obsessiveness of it and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like, you know, I, you know, I too have also had my own suspicions. Like I don't mean to make light of it or to make it like too, whatever accessible or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to self diagnose, but ever, right. but like, you right, know, right. I've also had my own suspicions. Like sometimes like, Am I on the spectrum? Blah, blah, blah. Right. But like, you know, and that's fine. Everyone can speculate. <laughs> speculate. Get diagnosed it's, if you have any suspicions. Please go to a professional. <laughs> Do not just go with it and run with it. You might just be weird. <laughs> I the other no, fucked up. autism is not weird. No, it's not. It's you, not. But you, you might not be autistic. You might just be weird. Sure. And that's fine. Right. And that's wonderful. And that's the thing. Anyway. Eccentric. We'll say eccentric, not weird. Freaky. Yeah. You're kind of a freak. <laughs> is, that, is that a nice is that a nice way of doing that? I don't think it is. <laughs> well, it's appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> I'll take I, uh, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> but like I forgot what I was even fucking saying at this point. It's like, about the philosophers. I'm sorry. Oh, well, okay, yeah. Animism was the main point. Okay. Bring us back to that. You I got don't it. even know how I'm keeping track of this. You're this doing this really, really in. good, actually. But like Yeah, like I think that, you know, like so many of these people not having those facts and everything, they're and and then being so specific to any one particular understanding. Like it's yeah. They're, they're not going to understand it. And like, I think that we may need to make sure that we're not idealizing anyone in particular, but also making sure that we're going off our own perspective. Like I'm a, I'm a firm, uh, I was firmly influenced by like Kierkegaard's understanding of like the perspective of like the individual versus the whole. Um, and Kierkegaard himself being a Christian and in response to, you know, the, 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 don't worry about spilling. The second it's time fine. I I spilled the ashtray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm in the hole in the <laughs> the individual. You're doing so well with all these distractions. Phil, I don't even. I'm pretty sure I've had more than you. Like, I don't know how you're. Oh, you smoked it's, weed too. Though. I smoke. I don't know. I'm just generally clumsy. <laughs> It's, I can't blame it on anything. Like, no one talks against me. I don't blame you. I'm here for you. And I'm here with you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. But, like, the thing is, is that, like, yeah, getting down to it, don't just trust your your white philosophers. There's lots of other things. Listen to indigenous Wait, you just skipped right over Kierkegaard. Uh, you know what? He's white, too. <laughs> Fuck him, huh? <laughs> Fuck him all. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, no, I I do, you know, Kierkegaard being regarded as like, you know, the godfather of like existential philosophy and other things like yeah. that. But like, you know, the beginning and the questioning of like 
who you are. It should be the beginning of who you are. You know your reality best than anyone else. You are solipsistic in this world, which can be your prison or it can be your home. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. Mm. You have all the means. You have to learn. You have your means of education. And in this globalist society and this understanding and the point at which we are now, you have no excuse. You have more understanding available at your fingertips than you've ever had before. All you have Literally, to do is be like, just hey, tap Google. on that shit. See that? My fucking Hey Google thing just responded. Yeah. See, the thing is, is that interesting. It's that easy. Yeah. Information is that easy. Right. That's all it takes. Educate yourself. And Fuck you should yeah. find joy in it. You should find joy in understanding. Jesus Christ, if Descartes or Kierkegaard were here today and had Hey Google at its fucking like fingertips oh, or voice call, they would just be Domino's yeah. delivery drivers. <laughs> <laughs> they would be Domino's delivery drivers <laughs> telling you how weird it is that you can hear your voice in your head. Podcast. <laughs> just smoking weed. Just like doing dabs. <laughs> They would be doing I honestly so many think dabs. that there's so many Kierkegaards walking around <laughs> delivering your pizza right now. Like, oh, should we order a bridge pizza just so we can talk to the modern day Kierkegaard? <laughs> I mean, I say this as a modern day Kierkegaard. And then tip him two bucks. <laughs> yes, yes, we should. No, good I'm tip. Kidding. Good I'm tip. Kidding. Good tips for for the modern day Kierkegaard at Bridge Pizza. They need it, man. <laughs> Again, I say it as one of them. I'm like, <laughs> come on. I have a philosophy and an English degree. But with animism, no. going back to the thread point of animism. Good job, good job, good job. <laughs> keep going, keep going. The thread point of animism as what I was talking about with Kabbalah and everything else. <laughs> Is that this energy has been here forever. Mm. This energy does not begin or start with us. There is no chicken or egg. Mm. It's just is. Nice. It has been here. Cool. We don't understand it, nor do we need to. We are a part of it. It has been here. We don't need to question how long the water has been. We are Mm. fish in the water Mm. questioning why the ocean has been here. We have been immersed in it, and we don't need to question. We just exist. Yeah. Enjoy it. Breathe. Yeah. Take it in. And know. Be. Yeah. If what is, is, then you can be. Dear God. It's fucking late. (laughs) Take another drink, my friend. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) But you're not wrong at all. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to wax philosophical. I I might. Maybe I'll go apply for a job at Bridge Pizza. (laughs) (laughs) You seem to have the background. What if if part of your application process as a pizza delivery driver was like, what do you make of the body-mind separation? I've been an armchair philosopher for like seven years. They're like, show us your podcast. How how many episodes do you have? <laughs> you don't even know how many times I've stayed up late. 
And then you're like, wait, I have a punk band. <laughs> and they're you're like, hired. you're fucking hired. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know people who <laughs> got hired for having a punk band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, high five to the Mozilla music scene <laughs> slash pizza scene <laughs> slash pizza scene. Intersectionality is Woo-hoo. happening in Missoula. <laughs> Equal opportunity, baby. I <laughs> <laughs> just picture all the overeducated white boys just like <laughs> running pizzas everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes there's like a nice sweetness to like <laughs> privilege. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna die! <laughs> you, you know exactly which lesson to give based on who's ordering what. <laughs> <laughs> Not only have I brought you your pepperoni pizza, <laughs> just... but I have brought you <laughs> a dialect <laughs> on intersectional feminism. <laughs> just, thank you for your pizza. Thank you. Two bucks. Max. No, philosopher, <laughs> philosopher bros don't talk about feminism. That's for sure. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> my fucking stomach. <laughs> we don't have time. We don't have time to talk about feminism. <laughs> we have pizzas to deliver, and we have lectures to give about about <laughs> scientific representationalism. Actually, this is what I got. <laughs> my focus was <laughs> what we should make of scientific representations. And then oh. then you give the pizza over. You exp- oh. you finished your lecture about why we shouldn't necessarily believe our systems of measurement <laughs> with regards to temperature because it might not reflect the actual reality. And then you give the pepperoni pizza over to... Th- <laughs> They say thank you for a three dollar tip, <laughs> just like they taught you in school. Oh uh, uh, I can't breathe. Should we should we finish and like do something? Oh, that's it. That's we're done. Like we're done. <laughs> Missoula philosopher pizza drivers. Welcome to Bridge Pizza. <laughs> Welcome to Bridge Pizza. To be or not to be. Oh my god, we're so drunk. Oh. Good job. Love you, Phil. Love you. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'm turning off. <laughs>